tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call, and Ali is looking after the programme this morning. Coming up on the show, the wisdom of Johnny Luby is on the way. A regular contributor believes that what's going on in RTE is farcical. The Education Minister was in Carrick yesterday, where she made some comments on the RTE debacle. Uh, What's going on with the British Royals, and why is Kate missing? We are about the organisation Claire's Wish, granting wishes to uh, terminally ill adults, and uh, the Friday Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Daily Mail and their lead story, Pascal Donoghue hit out at the state's uh, budgetary watchdog for criticising what it called fiscal gimmickry Uh, in the budget, with the Minister describing this commentary as being unwelcome and undermining as well. Uh, The Irish Independence' main story, Fianna Fáil, is to draw up uh, a new party policy on immigration in the clearest sign yet that the topic is moving centre stage ahead of the uh, local elections. Now, the main parties in Leicester House have struggled with the issue, and now the tarnished Demihal Martin has tasked a Dublin TD to oversee the development of a Fianna Fáil policy, which will stand independently of government policy. You'll have to think about that one. You really, really will indeed. Um, The Irish Times and the lead story on the front page of the Times today, the State Child and Family Agency, had to cut ties with two companies that had been providing emergency accommodation for vulnerable children in care due to concerns over standards. It has emerged. Uh, also on the Times today, the world may be close to peak levels of carbon emissions due to accelerating use of uh, clean energy technology, including solar, wind and EVs, according to a new analysis by the International Energy Agency. And finally, a look at the Irish Examiner. And it's dominated by a picture that's full of tragedy and sadness. The body of a Palestinian shot dead while waiting for aid trucks in Gaza yesterday uh, is taken from the scene by a donkey-drawn cart and just it's the picture of misery and of course that story Gaza Health Authority said that over 100 Palestinians were shot dead by Israeli forces as they waited for an aid delivery yesterday. Also on the examiner today the government is to step up efforts to house asylum asylum seekers by converting empty buildings and using prefabs within the coming months and that's according to proposals in the state's revised white paper. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Do you want to make a comment on any of that? And again, just to repeat to you, uh, text and WhatsApp 083 311 Good morning, Johnny Luby. How are you, Johnny? Uh, thanks. Fine for asking. I'm not great. <laughs> You're just in the door, Ellie was telling me, are you? Just in the door from a place called Gory in County Wexford. Oh, God. Right. We left, we left it at quarter past six this morning. Got Francis a long way down, isn't it? It's a long way down, Johnny. I often drive it, yeah. 
We were in the place called the Loch Gorman Arms, a uh, fine hotel and pub. They actually have connections in uh, Tappamore to McGrath. Oh. Uh, and that is a, a wonderful place with a Cheltenham preview night with all the top brass there. Nina Carbridge wrote seven winners in Cheltenham. We had uh, uh, Gavin Cromwell and uh, Philip Rothwell and, of course, uh, Shark Handlin. And uh, hey, it mm. was a serious night now for us in need of the Irish Cancer Society and also Motor Neuron. Oh, and nice. uh, they raised huge funds last night for us. It was big. Right. Now I give Tip FM a, a good rattle at times down there. <laughs> I'm, deli- I'm delighted to hear it, Johnny. Yeah, fair play. So was, it, was there a huge turnout? There was, yeah, a huge turnout. Mm. And look, I suppose there were two wonderful causes. You know, yeah. and Irish people are absolutely fantastic the way they rally around uh, uh, to help out yeah. for the likes of the Cancer Society and uh, also for the Motor Bureau and indeed any other charities that out there. They're wonderful to support the whole lot, you know, so it was. Fair, fair I, play, yeah. Uh, and speaking yeah, of which, you, you were closer to home, were you not, in the Norbrook Lounge last week as well? How, oh, God, it's Yeah, what a place up there. There, yeah. there must have been a couple of hundred people there. That was for the Dylan Quirk Foundation. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, youngsters up around there are absolutely fantastic. Bridget that runs the show up there, she's some lady, and of course, uh, you, like even last night, when I, uh, I told them all, forget about the, all them tips of the whole office that I'm going to do the the Gold Cup now, so I had the Shark Handling in it, I Dina Calbury and uh, Gavin Cromwell and uh, Puppy Powell, the, the other jockey, uh, along with a guy called Paddy Melgan and that. And I listened to it, went down well. I saw even double night up over the Norbrook again. Plenty someplace out in the middle of North Place. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I had that wonderful guy in Cashel, he was driving there, uh, Ken Whelan. Mm, yeah. I, you know, Ken, you do. I, I think I met him a couple of times, yeah. He should do, listen, he deny you. I, I told him at one stage, I took the microphone, I said, when did Morsford last win a bloody all Ireland? Because he's from inside in the middle of a Chelsea preview, uh, we sold uh, many things, but we sold uh, a can of Kenny jersey, friend, that made uh, 200 euro, which was brilliant. Uh, yeah. I think it was the number three or number four jersey, but I did put, I just said on the microphone, then I said, I think you should sell all your jobs because you're not winning anything at all at all. So, <laughs> and I've got a fool of boss, but anyway, hey, uh, look, it's like everything else is over and done with. We've one more now, please, God, in, uh, down in a day or two for something else there, maybe in a week's time in Chalks. I think it's Chalks or Collins or someplace down there. Uh, I think that's next Thursday or Friday night, so that's the end of it. And I just got in the door on time. Uh, to give Catherine the care to go to Mass because she said 44 years, one of us had to go to Mass. And mentioning 44 years today, friend, the 1st of March, uh, we were in the recycling centre yesterday in Cashel. There was a chap of the Griffin from Manicastle. He knows you well, I guess. Yeah, sure, I know the family well. Great lads, yeah. Yeah, I guess I say, top of the earth. But uh, Catherine was telling me, she said, imagine she said being married to death. That's me. <laughs> is that for 44 years? And is it and today is the anniversary, Johnny? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, uh, friend, uh, they all bought me a nest. I look at uh, I was drinking some kind of pink stuff last night. <laughs> Mother of God, I don't know what it was. But anyway, uh, the man of the Griffins inside in that recycling centre said yeah. to Captain Ben that you'll go to heaven. She says, hopefully, please, God, she says, on a one way ticket. <laughs> she says, imagine being married to that. Yeah, look, hey, uh, she's still with you, Johnny. She's still with oh you. Oh, my so. God. 
Yeah. yeah, and I got the I got the car back in time. I'd have went to Mass this morning only for uh, 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 the program at nine o'clock. I should have said it just to put me back to half nine, but that's neither here nor there. Because yeah. yeah. I want I definitely want to thank the man involved. But uh, Fran, yeah, look, uh, text that came through last night there in the middle of the Cheltenham preview. The floats in care are on from St Patrick's Day the seventeenth of March. Contact Andy Andy Maloney. They're looking for entries. That's for Kale, uh, they're just down the road. The raceway in Rose Green, uh, tomorrow at four o'clock, they race there. They have six or seven races there back in action. And on Sunday, they start again at one o'clock. So if anybody wants something to do up past down an hour, you're uh, going no further than the raceway. And of course, Jim Kane is in Brewbaroo Saturday night, the final performance at eight o'clock. Big splash. Small fish. Ah, very good. That, yeah, that, that goes ahead in Brew Brew, and of course, Reedy's Pub in Newtown for family and friends. T.G. Cahar, Kira Gaynor, uh, Lynn's daughter will be on. I think it's on the seventh of March on this uh, Lakra. You know that thing that Lakra Gale or something mm, yeah. for the people that had huge influences in the lives of many on the GA field. Mm. And uh, she uh, does some kind of a in Reedy's Pub anyway. That's uh, uh, T.G. Carroll, a preliminary recording, and then they'll be showing it live on the 7th of March. And I suppose, friend, uh, yeah, I want to send best wishes to Connie Kane. He was a uh, man there from Canalty Rossmore, married to a daughter of the late, great Dick Ryan, that wonderful mm-hmm. greyhound trainer. Connie got an old bit of a knockout. He's in Cashel there, and Corey Henley, of course, was asking for you as well into the bargain. I think he might be going further afield, maybe on to Dunleary, please, God, and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, to seeing him back in action. Oh, the around. very best of luck to him, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Frank, yeah, that's it on the welcoming crowd. I suppose on the GA crowd, the very best of luck to Nina CBS. They're in uh, the All Ireland College semi final. They play some crowd from Galway. Uh, the very best of luck to them. It's brilliant to see them there. And of course, uh, uh, Tipperary did, did beat me with me last mm-hmm. Sunday, which was a Saturday, which was to be expected. And a huge crowd went across to the support of Club Night in the Greyhound Stadium, possibly one of the biggest crowds ever seen at the Greyhound Stadium. And, Youngsters got their photos taken with Dean uh, Cahill and all the players along the way. So fair play to them all. And look, hopefully they made a few quid because uh, it's certainly uh, money well spent on the players insofar as that you have to look after your players mm. now, friend. That's the way it is on, the, on all sports sure. in front of it. It's holding off football. Uh, I suppose the Camogie ladies, they had a great win against Galway considering that they didn't really perform against Warsport. So they're back in action again, and, and uh, uh, well done to them. And in the footballers, amazing about the footballers, didn't play well against uh, London the previous week, and last weekend they put up a good show against Leash, who are top of the pops in Division 4 of the senior football, and they were unlucky not to win it. Mm. But that's the way it goes, so hopefully their turn will was come. Only, was there uh, only a point in that, Johnny? A point in it, that's yeah. it, uh, only one bloody point. Mm. But... Uh, in the rugby, Ireland uh, defeated Wales, and of course uh, that was uh, a marvellous result. Look, they, they, Ireland, I think, are good things for the uh, for the, uh, the Six Nations Championship. I mean, like they have, they have Scotland at home on the final game, and they have England away. I think next weekend it will be a tough one away. But look, with the way Ireland are playing, and especially then the opposition are not playing well. They're all in. in uh, uh, only getting getting down to it now because England have a huge uh, looked are a long way down the peck and order and so are Scotland. So they have to get their ship in order. But I would imagine that Ireland uh, uh, will beat England abroad 
and I also would imagine that Scotland at home. Whereas somebody, some club out there gave us two tickets last night for the Ireland-Scotland game, so we uh, auctioned them last night below in the Loch Gorman in Gorey. And when, uh, like, they, they made 500 euro each. I genuinely thought that, they, that uh, uh, if other clubs or people out there had known that there were two tickets available for the Ireland-Scotland game, because at that stage, these guys, they could be going for the Grand Slam of winning the winning the whole lot. So, But look, it was going to get a thousand euro for the uh, motor neuron and the Irish Cancer Society. Uh, now, friend, what else is there? Well, the soccer, St. Michael's had a big win last weekend during the Munster Junior Cup final, and they're away to... Uh, uh, Villa from Waterford uh, tomorrow in uh, Sunday in the quarterfinal. Uh, Clamell Celtic are also there, uh, uh, as is uh, Pete Villa. Now, they all have tough games, but as I said, they'll put the last couple of weeks. Three Berlin did have three in the last four, but you mightn't have any in the last four either. We're all realists in the, in the soccer game, but look, they're all up against it. But uh, the very best of luck to them all, them games go ahead on Sunday. And uh, I suppose, friend, what amazes me about the uh, TV uh, RTE, the rest of the game, of course, they grab that limelight every week. And, if, and like this, uh, Catherine Martin, the minister there, she's the Green Party, and the rest of them come to her rescue immediately. Fianna yeah. Fáil, they can't roll out enough of the big shots. And likewise, Wayne Gale, saying that she's doing a great job. Yeah, they the have, confi- they have complete confidence in her and all of that. Oh, yeah. Jesus, friend. I have more confidence in any of them than looks is all a matter. I have more confidence in, in myself <laughs> in that caveat. Uh, yeah, but now RT um, is without a chair, for God's sake. You know, oh, like... Jesus, friend. But you see, it is, look, what I wonder is who will be a pint and pot. Yeah. I mean, like, they'll stick in their own into all these jobs. And, you know... But uh, you, who, who'd want it, Johnny? Would you, would you take it, Johnny? It's only worth 30... 31 grand, I think, or 30 grand or something like that. I would, friend. Would you? Look, I, of course I would. I'd have to free travel up and on. <laughs> and, you'll probably, and you'll probably meet once every two months. And I'll just do a report exactly to the, to the minister. Yeah. Or, or not. Or not, up. as the case. Or not. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Listen, I, I was told to make sure that you mentioned the fact that uh, Liam Brown has announced his intention to stand in the upcoming elections last night. And I think he's looking at you in terms of some sort of a, an election manager for him. What, what do you think? Oh, God, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, friend, uh, it's very, very rarely do I ever can, uh, canvas. You know, I mean, I did canvas one time, but the mother of God about tonight, I sit to a chapter of canvassing with me. So we opened it, knocked on the door, and this fellow came out and gave us the greatest bollock in any two lads ever got in my life. And I said, what in the name of God should I sit? We're <laughs> We're not even the firing squad, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and your man read us left, right, and centre. So that's the end of me canvassing now. So very good. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll tell like, I'll tell Liam that then, will I? That you're not interested. No, tell him I might be available. You'll never know. <laughs> I like, you know. I think he's a good guy. I think he hits the nail on the head every time. You know. Yeah. Uh, I wonder did Gareth ever ever and make any progress on this nine percent to see could we get these restaurants back over back opened again. They'll be all jumping on every kind of a bandwagon this day. And I just made it up, friend, and I'll say it again. I think Tipperary will get maybe thirty million for the roads. And they'll make it they all make a big deal out of it. Mm. But the plain fact of the matter is in my book, our county raises about forty million for road tax. When yeah. you look at tractors and lorries... But you see, it all goes into the central coffers. I mean, you know, oh, it's... it's, it's like from the central yeah. coffers. Anyway, I was told to say hello to you as well from, from your, your friend Nelly O'Connor. And I was meant to say something to you from Nelly, and I can't remember what it is. And she'll be giving out to me in the tea rooms in Anacarty again tomorrow morning. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? What? 
coming from Delhi O'Connor wouldn't be great, friend. <laughs> tis just as tis just as well that you can't think of it. Uh, yeah, they're a huge crowd for the who are they playing? The, who are they playing? They were the Eagles or the Indians? <laughs> No, it was, it was taken to the limit. Uh, it's the oh, tribute to right, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. God, Johnny, oh, your knowledge of music is incredible. You know that, don't you? Will you ask Johnny to wish St Mary's School senior team Newport in the All Ireland semi final against uh, uh, is Killina uh, Secondary School tomorrow in Borisacane at two o'clock. Yeah, and, and friend, and commiserations yeah. to the Oslines beating in the All Ireland College Ladies Finland in the. Uh, uh, Camogie and well done to uh, Temple Moore uh, girls. They are the they won the All Ireland uh, Division two, I think, or three. So happy congratulations. Oh, well it's it's Kalina, by the way. That's that's who Newport is playing today, and and John O'Keefe. Oh, God! And friend, the county mm. board uh, is not on tonight. Is on next Friday night. Okay. And it's it's in Donovan's pub in uh, Ballinay. Another another new one from my list. I'll try and get to Cliff Garden next Friday night. Okay, that's a nice listening. little spin now from the Fourpenny Road, I can tell you. Peter Frank didn't get any further than bloody Gory. <laughs> you know, what's for his son? What's for the big county, Frank? I know. Did you all play in Gory or, well, or in the Scottsdale? God, I did. I played all those places. Yeah, tonight I'm uh, actually in Wexford as well. Uh, down in Ardan. So there if you I didn't go. come across that on any map this morning. I, I, bet, I bet you didn't. Um, they want you to give a shout out to wait till you hear this one, Johnny. Twenty nine ladies from New Inn. They're heading to Manchester this morning and they're leaving Jerry's pub at about eleven o'clock. That's uh, in about an hour and a half. They're 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 already getting ready, but it's the mothers and others on tour. So what do you make of that? My God, is unbelievable. Hey, the very best of luck to all them ladies. Uh, and you know, I came through New England. I wish it took all of Jerry wouldn't be able to desert them all when I come through about maybe 10 past past days. Uh, I saw Kale, though, all right. There must be a symptom at that stage. There must, there must be. That's going to be some party. That's going to be some party. It could be a hen. You wouldn't know. You know them hen parties? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think it's a hen. It's just, just they're heading off on tour. The mothers and others. It's great, isn't it? Mothers and others. And, friend, of course, Mother's Day is... The 10th of March. Is it? Uh, I didn't even know. Deja. I just said, I'd, I'd tell you that now that you won't forget get, forget that either. And friend, you were to say, oh, to Dahi Fogarty, he's one of the head lads in uh, Tipperary Co-op. He delivers a lot of stuff around and he listens to you every uh, Friday Dye. morning. Hello, Dahi. So yeah. he's, one, he's, one of the all, he's definitely one of the all-time greats. Uh, yeah, friend, now I'm waiting. Do you know what I'm going to do now in the next 10 minutes when I'm going to go to bed? You're going to go to bed, and right, rightly yeah. so too. Um, the, the, Ga- the Gaelic football, it's Gaelic football for older ladies, I'm told, the mothers and others. So that's what oh it's like. Oh, my God, I hope they don't pull any hamstrings or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what were you going to say to me before I let you go? What were you going to say to me about farming? Oh, Jesus, I, yeah, friend. What? Now it's called a spade a spade. Mm. Isn't it a tough, isn't it? Tough weather at the moment on farmers, and it's going to be right tough on all of us. Then, who are not farming, but maybe uh, involved with them. Mm. I mean, like, they can't uh, uh, plough the fields at the moment. The fields are all way way too wet for the corn. Uh, I'd say spuds are going to be uh, gone to the roof in prices, and uh, that and it is tough going for at the moment. And then when you hear the weather forecast, there's warnings of uh, hail, sleet, and snow, and all of that bloody yeah, caper. Yeah. Uh, it is tough going. At times I don't have sympathy for them, but on the law of averages I certainly do because it is tough going for them lads. You know, Tony Coney is in the maternity ward full time now at the moment, but he? uh, he's, and I know he's listening now and he's, I know exactly what he's saying. I can well uh, imagine, yeah. Uh, 
And uh, friend, I want to say sympathies to the Cormac family in Rose Green. Uh, they have John Cormac. Uh, he's a Lon- he's a Cormac from Rose Green, but he's in London for fifty odd years. He died last week. Died, oh, his wife died last that. weekend from yeah. cancer. Yeah. Uh, and that and. Uh, uh, with a lovely girl of your grade, she sang. Uh, oh, I can't remember the bloody song. I can't think of it now. But she was absolutely fantastic. And who was burnt in the church was Tommy Grogan's son. Oh, sure, he's marvellous. Anyway, isn't he? He's absolutely fantastic. Fran, if I could sing, I was right. I can tell lies and I can do everything else. But if I could sing, Fran, I tell you one thing: I'd be on the road. Listen, I'll, I'll get you singing yet. I promise you, I'll get you. I'll get you singing yet. All right, yeah. Johnny, look after yourself and uh, go back to bed now. Go back to it. Oh, yeah, won't finally, you? again, uh, sympathies to the uh, Dial Murphy family in Cashel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was so sorry to hear bit. that, too. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, the uh, girl, the, I can't think her name now. Uh, she was working in halls for years and yes, years. She was, a lovely yeah. girl. Well, you one know, of the Murphys, wasn't she? Yeah. One of the Murphys, yeah. yeah, friend, yeah. And, and we met him We met him all then below, and uh, the last day they came into Brisbane for one drink and away on. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night, but I was so sorry to hear it because Michael Murphy played in goal for the Hearty Cup team uh, for ourselves in the final in 73, which is uh, 51 years ago. Next, Not this weekend, next weekend. So where does time go for? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah uh, somebody yeah. said, time flies. I said, it does fly. I said, yes, I agree with you, but it doesn't fly, I said, when you're making bloody repayments. <laughs> Isn't that easy? When somebody, be... yeah, somebody wanted me to get you involved in the controversy that we had during the week, but you wouldn't have heard, you see, because you were away. But is this this letter that came in to Dear Phil about a fellow who leaves the door open when he's using the loo and the girlfriend or the partner is disgusted about it and somebody wants to know about your situation. Do you leave the door opening? Well, open. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, I left all doors open this spot when I came in here. I had to make a, a one read. I just said to Kelly, keep out of my way, keep out of my way. So anyway. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us, Johnny. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. That's, that's one from the dear Phil. It, is, it definitely is, yeah. Look after yourself, Johnny. Thanks very thanks, much indeed. Thanks. And a happy thanks. anniversary. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. And indeed to the long-suffering uh, Catherine as well. Two big games in Bash out the weekend, I'm told, as well. A Skull Ardry uh, versus St. Kiernan's. Uh, Tipperary versus Waterford Senior Football on Sunday as well. Uh, this is one of our listeners on 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 1800 Now staff at RTE say they now feel ashamed of where they work and a mix of union and non-union members held a rally in Donnybrook on Wednesday evening calling for urgent government action and many said they feel the focus today has been on the various controversies rather than solutions. Well, a regular contributor to the show, Pat Lynch, has been in touch with us on this and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, friend. I was interested in the word you used, Pat, on this. You said it's all a farce. Why why do you think it's so farcical, Pat? Um, Basically, the 
proper questions, and I said this to you before, the proper questions are not being asked. Now, I listened there the other day, the three and a half hours of it, and a total shambles, the whole lot of it. Now, the only piece I saw at the end was uh, the person, Neve Smith, she was basically questioning uh, one of the practices that went on in the yeah. past in RT, and she said that this should have been h- highlighted. So, or basically, there's uh, very selective um, coverage on this, and I think it's just all problem the problems off. Now one of the areas that wasn't discussed and I was basically very concerned about it and uh, this is the area of the funding that was allocated to RT over the years. Now as anybody would know the most of the work on a, on a weekly basis that our councillors and our TDs would be doing would be working with groups and organisations and businesses as regards funding. And they would have to put together a body of work to basically convince uh, the people in, that were looking for funding from that this was uh, this funding was going in the right direction. Now, seemingly all that was ignored with RT, and what came out uh, in RT is basically I, I'm questioning what type of accounts and how detailed they were and uh, this should not have developed in the way it was. Now this was a gravy train over the years and I'm of the belief that the people in there at these committees and everything were of the belief that this was and once this gravy train kept running uh, we're not going to get into it. Um, Now as I said I feel sorry for the people that you were talking about earlier that went on hours uh, mm. dispute the other day because they're the people that are suffering in this. Yes, these are it, the ordinary journalists and uh, yeah, yeah, the the ordinary people who are working there I suppose, journalists, producers and researchers and all of that. Yes, Pat? Now, um, even as regards and I'm talking about mainstream media the way they uh, came out there in relation to um, Catherine Merton the other day and I'm not backing up Catherine Merton, I'll have more to say on, on this in a few minutes but Catherine Merton was basically t- uh, was highlighted that she thrown Shuani uh, Rhea under the bus and that Catherine Merton was asked a question and she answered it in the most professional way you could do she said look, I prefer um, to have this meeting tomorrow and discuss it. Now, what a lot of people don't know is Kevin Barkas and Catherine Merton relied on that lady. She was the pillar that there, and as people have said over the over the week there, the amount of experience she has. But unfortunately, uh, with all, she knew the position she was in. She knew they relied on her, and she was basically calling the shot. So even when Catherine Merton said to her that I'd like to have a meeting, if you send a letter in relation to I'm going to resign, in other words, I'm calling the shots here. I don't want the meeting. I know what the meeting is about. And I know you want to bring up all the stuff that went on. We have a gravy train in here in RT. It's all running What are you saying to me, Are you saying that the reporting of what happened then was a bit skewed? Is that is that The reporting is all uh, one-sided. And it's totally wrong. Like what the way they portrayed Captain Merton on that prime time is totally wrong. And as I said, uh, Catherine Merton, in fairness to the lady, she basically said, and she was correct in saying it, I have to have the proper information. Well, was she not naive by thinking that she wouldn't be asked whether or not she had confidence in Juni Raleigh? 
you know. Yeah, well, she was asked, but she didn't answer. She said, look, I'd prefer now uh, to have that meeting tomorrow. Well, do you think and it was wise that she went on the programme at all, Pat, when things were up in the air in the way that they were? Should she not have resolved that first, no? To be honest with you, my own thinking of it is this was the third strike and it was she was definitely out. And where what really got Catherine Merton going was they were after staying there that any more of these handouts that were going to be an RT were actually going to be going through the board and sanctioned by the board. And what really got Catherine Merton going was that the board were actually after sanctioning this with their new rules, this new transparency that's supposed to come into RT and the minister was told about. That's what really got and it would get anybody going. If you're the minister in charge mm. of this and there's new rules there and you're and, saying... And what do you say to the fact that this information was put out there in October of last year? And yeah, but I think the concern that Catherine Martin had was the, in that last uh, handout and that was only done recently and this was under the new rules this was under the restructuring of RT this was the new transparent RT that we're going to see mm. and as Catherine Merrin said it's no more than uh, what happened in the oh. past this uh, thing went ahead without my knowledge right. and it so shouldn't in, have and in general Pat what do you think of Catherine Martin's Handling Catherine Martin, as I said, should have had a more hands-on thing in all the stuff mm. that has come up. Now you know RT what she's saying about years. that, Pat, don't you? That she's saying that her position as a media minister would mean that she should deal with the chair, but not in the day-to-day running of RTE as an organisation. And she says that if she attempted to do that, she'd be lambasted by opposition mm. politics. Now, what I'm talking about is Catherine Martin's team. Maybe I should be saying. When there was funding uh, allocated to RT over the years, uh, that team should have scrutinised what uh, submissions were put in there and said, look, these are, this, these are not looking right. And probably the flip-flops and the whole lot would have come up if it was done right. And like anybody uh, in their right mind would say, well, look, we're not going to give funding to this organisation if they're spending this on flip-flops or whatever. So all this information, the books that were actually given there, and I think Catherine Merton's team, maybe not Catherine as the Minister of Media, mm. but her team uh, was allocating that funding to RT. And I think these uh, books should have been scrutinised. And the, uh, what... Uh, if it wasn't that enough, they should have been questioned, as is happening there with all the uh, uh, transactions with our TDs and, and counsellors on a week-to-week basis. Uh, all this stuff is scrutinised, and basically if it doesn't add up, you don't get the funding. Now, we have seen, and it has been highlighted in the media, how badly run RT is and how top-heavy it is. And even bringing in Kevin Barkhurst on five grand a week, this is not restructuring. This is not the language that people want to hear. And the money that the guy that's replacing even Ryan Tubbery on the on the uh, morning program yeah. on on RT One, there his wages is not reflecting what what's happening in RT is RT are not recognising that they are actually at a bankrupt stage. Now, if you're in a company. And like Tip FM, you all are there and you understand there's not a big gravy train there. You understand that you'd all love to be on three and four hundred grand a year. But unfortunately, there's a, a budget there and we need to keep this station going. But unfortunately, this was not the case with RT because RT were of the opinion that there's a gravy train there. We put in uh, um, a set of books there every 
year we'll get funding no matter this gravy train is never going to come to an end and uh, as I said uh, the funding was there and it was abused and, and I have to say to you Pat I mean anything that emerged by way of the wages for the top stars and the kind of money that was being thrown around is not a surprise to anybody who has been in the media business for years I mean none of that was a surprise to me in terms of what people were being paid I am shocked at it are you? Because if somebody is doing three hours a week, and I won't mention names, yeah. are they entitled to over 300 grand of a salary for three hours I, work? I think it's nonsense. But I've always thought it was nonsense. I mean, Pat Kenny, what is now about 13 years ago, was paid 900,000. You know, almost a million. But should you look at even the body of work that you do in the three hours there every morning? From what I gather now, and I don't listen to it, as I said, I'm into Tip FM, minute nine o'clock comes, I don't listen to the programme. But I understand uh, from what came up in the media that uh, that programme is an hour long. They would give maybe 20, 25 minutes talking about the papers that have some one person or two people on there on the show and that's the show and yeah. they're on over 300 grand. Does that and add up four, to that? And there's about four people working or four or five people maybe yeah, working like on the show not, as well. Um, that's not reflective of, a, of, of, of decent spending and value for money for people. And like in all honesty, and I don't blame people, people want to see change, but unfortunately, and I've said this to you before, Kevin was brought in for a reason. Mm. This you and basically what Sheena Rattler was saying is there's a gravy train here. Kevin, keep your hands out of it. Uh, whatever we we have an out, um, our own pie here, and there's plenty to go around. And you're looked after. Mm. You're getting five grand a week, uh, but you don't. Well, in, in, the, in fairness to Sheena Rattler, I, I I thought she was very honest about so whenever I, I heard her at uh, the media committees or the PAC committee I, I thought she was telling it as it was and it wasn't pretty at times but what do you think about Kevin Backers because it was interesting Matty McGrath was, Kevin, making, Ma- Matty said, McGrath was making the point that he was at these infamous meetings with the minister as well and he could have stopped everything and said well hold on now just to inform you like he could have put in his three and four pence worth couldn't he instead uh, Matty said that he stood he... idly by yeah, but the reason he should have said is he's there to bring back transparency and get people to trust and put mm. trust back into RT. So what and about his position he, then? I I think he, you know, you, you say to yourself, um, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Um, but like, um, they f- figure if we get Kevin in there um, and give him five grand a week, there'll be major changes. He's there since July, and in all honesty, and most people will agree, I haven't seen any changes. Uh, and and uh, what's coming out there is all these handouts uh, mm. are still there, and even it came out in relation to HSE. So all this public sector that's... Pu- uh, funded by taxpayers and mm. uh, there's a gravy train there and we need to look right. into this and so can, I, can, I play, to can I play devil's advocate to you for a moment Kevin Backhurst he's making a very interesting point about some of these payments to people that while it sounds like huge money and it is huge money it's less money than if they went through the rigours of getting rid of somebody because they take them to, to court whether it's the WRC or whatever and it would end up costing the taxpayer an awful lot more money. 
Now, I know the legal system is another day's work and we need to look at that. And I know what he's saying is this will cost and he's basically correcting that because the uh, legal system, uh, there needs to be major reform with that. It's another gravy train. And where do you take his point, money, though, Pat? Do you take I can point? see his point and yeah. he's correct in saying it. He's basically saying that when we go down that road, uh, this is another gravy train. And I, I can see that he's saying, look, the best way out of this is to cut our losses and just mm. be rid of that person and whatever. So there's uh, he, he's some bit right, but what he is uh, mistaken and what people would like to see is that we have, first of all, we have a justice system uh, that's fair and that's not going to uh, be top-heavy like RT, that's going, that this case is going to cost millions. Okay, we simply, but we don't have that at the moment. That needs to be reformed. But what Kevin is basically, what people would like to see is that, Kevin is basically bringing this person to the work relation thing. And in all honesty, and anybody seeing what some of these have done uh, in RT, uh, would, they wouldn't have a hope of winning it. Now, I said this before, on moral grounds, and even, even in your own case, say if you had mucked up in the way some of these have, you would be thinking of the future of Tip FM. You would be thinking of all the staff in Tip FM and a bright future for them. And on moral grounds, you would say, "I I actually need to go here because I, for respect of my work colleagues and for respect of the station and the station that has been good to me and has paid me well and I've had big salaries in the whole lot, I'm actually going to walk away from this." But morally, and this is where this country is corrupt. Morally, this country is 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 gone. And let me just finally ask you, Pat. Um, whenever there's a discussion around RTE or funding RTE or whatever, it comes up that they are the bastion of public service broadcasting and that's why they're not allowed to fail in any way. They're the the gurus. They're the main go-to for uh, reporting that is not misinforming or disinforming or whatever. Do you accept that? No. And I've been looking now at Gaza thing for the last week and I've been looking at that a footage of that person on the stretcher for the last week and that's supposed to be a daily occurrence so when I see gas on the news I just switch off because I'm basically saying look it's going to be the same fella on the stretcher that's we're looking at the same for the last week now unfortunately and this has come back to our funding and why the books weren't looked at and why the books were done in the way they were if you have a so-called public uh, broadcaster and they're telling us on a week to week how wonderful Tweedly D and Tweedly Dum are and we're fed with this, and we're brainwashed with this, and Twiddly D and Twiddly Dum are basically going to fire out the money to them and not even bother looking at the books. And that's the bottom line here, and that's why the questions were asked in the committees as well. This is a, a, a supposedly a public broadcaster that's basically brainwashing us every day how wonderful this government are, how wonderful these ministers are. I don't are. think that and that's fair now, really, because, I mean, there's certain programming on RT, I, I have to say, I, I, I think is is. T- top-notch, and they do hold people to account, Pat. You know, it's not... They basically bring up the highlight, like the primetime investigates, they highlighted certain politicians and what they were, but at the end of the day, what was the outcome? You know, I know they highlight the things, and I think this is the worst part of it. They'll actually tell us to our face what's going on, and they're basically saying to us in an indirect way, and what the hell are you going to do about it? In other words, you're actually going to put up with it. It's a bit of entertainment for a half an hour, and we know what's going on. We know what uh, 
things are going on in the background and we're actually telling you and we're a great programme but like in all honesty this is Ireland this is what you have to accept yeah, right. this is the future of your Alright um, Pat I, I must leave it there but thank you very much indeed for your contribution this morning and good to talk to you as well 1800-938-007 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you it matters to us Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. The Education Minister, Norma Foley, was in Tipperary yesterday to turn the sod on the site of the new Goyle School in Carrick. She spoke to our Head of News, Donald Doyle, and uh, Donald asked her about her confidence in Minister Catherine Martin. Uh, Matty McGrath, uh, our local TD, was here. He's been yeah. highly critical uh, overnight and in the last few days of Minister Catherine Martin and her handling of the RTE controversies. Um, he has basically called it a massive failure on her part, her performance uh, on, on on television and in front of the committee and in the doll yesterday. Um, I suppose... Uh, what can you say in terms of that sort of criticism and do the cabinet still have full confidence uh, in Catherine Martin to do her job and to get a handle on the RTE situation? Well absolutely I have 100% confidence in Catherine Martin and with all due respect I think that's probably Matty's job as a member of opposition to have a, a, an alternative and a different view um, but I think collectively I think people have seen that um, Minister Martin gave a very thorough, um, a very fulsome and a very engaged and excellent performance when she stood for three hours taking questions from a whole variety of um, members of the Arachthus, um two nights ago. It was quite impressive you know what she did. She did it. She didn't balk at any questions. She took all questions and she spoke with the enormous conviction that she does have in relation to sorting out the issues um, at RTE and there are issues but we also know of the importance of public service um, broadcasting. We know we want to get things right uh, but to get things right the structures have to be in place um, so we're seeing a movement in, in many directions that are positive, but there's an awful lot more work to be done. Catherine Martin is absolutely determined to oversee that work being done and to ensure that those who have specific responsibility in that area will will step up to the plate to do that work. So um, I think there's a job of work being done. There's no doubt about it. There have been issues and there are ongoing issues and there probably will be more issues tomorrow. But I think the most important thing is the determination and the the zealous approach that's been taken uh, by Minister Martin and indeed across government to to recognise the importance of public service um, broadcasting and to ensure that we have it going into the future. That's the Education Minister, Norma Foley, there speaking to her own uh, Donald Doyle with her thoughts on uh, the job of work, as she describes it, uh, that uh, Minister Catherine Martin is doing at the moment. Now we love to play you a little taster of Down Your Way on the programme every week. And uh, this week, Eamon is at the races uh, with the Tipperary Supporters Club. So here's a little taste of what you can expect tomorrow morning, just after 10. Paul Powers with me. How are you doing, Paul? Not too bad. Eamon yourself? You're busy here. Uh, two to one, four to seven, all that kind of stuff. Six to That's four. Right, what does yeah. all that mean? It means that the two dog is very well fancied in this race, Patrick Gilfoyle's dog. Okay. He's been followed by Sean Malone's dog from County Kilkenny. Oh, it looks uh, two very good dogs, and uh, we have a dog in a bitch now, but uh, okay. they've done fantastic trial times. So we'll t- okay, Paul, looks- you stand up here every week? Every week, Eamon, yes. Yeah. 
and uh, this is kind of a tough job, isn't it? It's a tough job. It is. It is. It's a. Uh, How do you have to judge where a dog is seven to four or two to one? We have to do a lot of homework. Okay. Do a lot of homework on him. And dog could be off that night, couldn't it? Could be. We have. That's uh, a chance we take. Okay. So, so kind of. What do you take? A fiver for a race? What's the smallest bit you can take? We can take a fiver. We can take two euros, whatever you like. Oh, can you? We can, of course, yeah. Oh, that's good, that's then. That's right, yeah. yeah. There's no real gambling thing really in it. No, uh, no, no, but uh, we always uh, advocate that uh, any underage, under 18, that if they come up with an adult, okay. they can accept, we'll accept that better than, like, you know. Oh, fair play, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much a part of it, but you love coming down here. We do, yeah. Fairness, the lady is running the track now. She's doing her best. She's doing a fantastic job here, Michelle Fielding. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and, there's, and there's a man here that comes here every Saturday night called Patrick Clancy, better known as Paddy Clancy. So I kind of sponsor him here every week. So, okay. so what does he I, do that you have to sponsor him? I, to, I just keep... I, he backs so many winners, I just have to keep him paid out. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Okay, you can take in a lot and you can lose a lot we here. We can. We try, we try our best, you know what I mean? Okay. Not a simple game, no. How long have you been here, Paul? Here was about 15 years. Oh my God, you must be doing something right. Something right, some, some nights on there. Absolutely. Nights right, so... Look, Paul, every success, it's a real privilege, privilege to say hello to you on uh, and, this and great night. Thanks very much, Eamon. I was talking to a very good friend of yours last week called P.G. Savage, as, oh, yeah. as I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. Another very hard man to beat. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm so proud of uh, the great Babs Keating down there as well. We are, actually, yeah. Well, I always uh, admire Babs as a hurler and football, but by all accounts, listen to Petey, he was a better footballer nearly than the hurler, but uh, I always remember Babs Keating playing with the boots off in all Ireland hurling finals there. And he was a, a fantastic hurler and uh, probably one of the greatest Tipperary players of all time. But um, being a waterman myself... Uh, I thought he was going to come down and give us a hand there a number of years ago, but it was Tip's game that he he's, he went to Tipperary. How do you expect Waterford to go this year? I think they'll go well. Okay, okay. Actually, I think they go well. They're playing Cork tomorrow, and uh, they're not being uh, rated by a lot of people, but I think that Davy and Peter and um, and Owen Kelly, you know, they'll do a good job, and uh, a lot mightn't be expected, but they could be dark horses. So we'll hope to... We're trying to we try and hope to keep poked out to Tipperary and Limerick anyway. <laughs> Being a waterman, so love that Paul. Eh? Yeah. This so. is Paul Thor is always nice to thank you to Jay. Did lots of Connor Bow. How are you doing, Connor? Great, thanks, Eamon oh, yourself. Two stars of the tip team. The captain, Ronan Maher, how are you doing, Ronan? Very good now, thanks. Good to be with us and uh, Connor Bow. Eamon, how are you keeping? That's a bad head. Two mid to Prairie, lads. Uh, we'll probably have to stretch it out for North to Prairie as well on this programme. Anyway, looking forward to the year ahead, Connor. Oh. Running. Yeah, we are, of course. Um, another great evening there in the stadium as well, so great to get the win. And uh, Quickly into the semi-final at this stage? Uh, hopefully, yeah. should be now, so um, it's great to see a, a good crowd up here around the stadium supporting us as well, so um, should yeah. be should be a good old night for everybody. So. Yeah, supporters club, would you have heard much about them over the years? Or Say that again? Would you have heard much about these supporters, lads? Supporters club? Oh, yeah, sure. Listen, they've been a great benefit to us over the years, and without them, we'd be struggling. So it is great to have that support with all with all the tip supporters. And, mm-hmm. you know, they all love Tipperary GA and putting the money into us. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we every day we go out in the field, we try and represent them as best we can. And like that, again, it's great to see a good representation from here tonight. Absolutely, yeah. And Conor, uh, you're looking forward to the year ahead for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's the start of a new year, I suppose, a new beginning. And uh, please God, looking down the line to be competitive in the championship. 
Yeah, absolutely, I suppose. Cornerback or wing back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I might get away from cornerback actually. Now, <laughs> I can go back that far, but yeah, no, it's definitely a personal ambition of mine to maybe start messing around on the bench and stuff like that and try and get into the first 15. Uh, very, very hard at the moment because competition is through the roof, which is a great sign for us and it's, it's really good for us going forward. But for me personally and probably for everyone else, it's to try and get on that starting 15. Yeah, starting 15 is everything, isn't it? Yeah, and like Connor said, it's been it's, it's proven to be very hard over the last couple of years. Like you know, it's very competitive, and um, it's a great environment to be in, and it keeps us on our to- on our toes, you know. But um, really exciting going into the championship. It's still early days now, but um, you know, focusing every night. And the boys out in uh, families and everything out in Temple Tui, mine and all the rest. Are they proud of the two lads that are on the team? <laughs> I don't know how proud they are of me, but. I mean, to, to, to look at Gar and uh, Garod, I suppose, the way he's performed the last couple of weeks has just been exceptional. And everybody at home, it's, it's, no, it's no surprise to us at home. He's been doing that for years at home with us in Winterville Dewey. And to just see him progress with that, you do well at third level and then into inter-county with Tipperary, it's just magic. So, fair play to him. Yeah, he just really got caught in, the, in last week, was in the college's match. Yeah, I wouldn't even say caught. He came up against a very good Mary I team who, who played really well on the day. And I suppose conditions on the day were tough. So it turned into a real dogfight and just Mary I just, just about came out on top. But uh, no doubt he'll come again. He'll rise in with the blue and gold in his back and um, he'll progress into the championship hopefully he's got. You take a bit of advice from their brother at times, you know? I don't talk to him anymore now he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, of course. Sure. Listen, he's always good to have around. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, if, if I ever need a bit of advice, he's only, only around the corner. So it's, it's good that way. A little taste of this week's uh, Down Your Way with the Tipperary Supporters uh, Club. And, of course, you can hear the programme in its entirety tomorrow morning, just uh, after the 10 o'clock news and obits. Uh, speaking of which, news is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today, 1800-938-007. You might remember we were speaking to uh, John Mack from Cashel yesterday on the programme, and he was warning us about the state of our rivers being overfished, out of season, and all of that kind of thing. A lovely message here says, good morning, Ali and Fran. What a legend John Mack is as an angler who honed my skills on the Anner and Kings rivers Many moons ago, I take my hat off to John and we need more people like him. Poachers are worldwide. We have the same problem down under here in Brisbane. Thankfully, we have more fisheries and wildlife officers uh, getting the upper hand at the moment. Salmon fishing in Ireland is a lifetime dream for the majority of my fellow anglers down under. Please, please, please take heed of the warnings at ground level. So that's one of our expats living in Brisbane. And I don't have a name there, but uh, you're very welcome along to the show and glad to know you're, you're tuning our way. Another listener says, I totally agree with your guest, Fran. That would have been Pat Lynch who spoke to me about RTE. Um, these presenters were always paid too much in RTE. I mean, when Ryan Tuberty had his show on radio, there was no content. When I listened to Tip FM and... Uh, uh, my God, it's so interesting to listen to. So much variety. And it's disgraceful. 
uh, the way uh, RT is being run and all of us paying the TV licence. Well, I think part of the, the issue now is that um, not everybody, by a long shot, is paying the TV licence. But thank you, and thank you for your lovely compliments as well. 83 311 uh, To text now, Joe says RTE is fairly messed up, but you have to admit that Reeling is in the years is an excellent programme. Um, yeah, it is an excellent programme. Nationwide is an excellent uh, programme. I have no bother whatsoever saying that some of the output on RT is absolutely super. You know, I don't, I don't have any problem saying that whatsoever. Anyway, let us move on because I'm assuming that like many of us um, dread attending an NCT uh, test and uh, we can all retell stories of a friend of a friend uh, whose car should have passed or whose car had passed when it shouldn't and all of that. Well, Michael took his car for his regular NCT test recently and he wanted to share his experience with us. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, Frank, and thanks for having me on. You're very and, uh, hello to all your listeners out there. You're very welcome, Michael. Would you tell me about your experience of uh, oh, NCT? Yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's a joke, like a really, it's a joke now. Like I took my car in, uh, it's a Ford Mondeo, and it's uh, it's an old car. It's a zero five, mm. but it's going as, for me is as good as a new car. But anyway, I went in with the car, and I was paying our man the money, and just he was grumpy, like as well, because I just said to him, "Is this the happy hour?" Oh, no happy hours here, he said. But he could have said, like, oh, you, you missed it, you're a bit late, you had to come an hour ago to be happy hour. But no, he went off anyway. And what, what, sorry, what did you mean when you said that, Michael? I just said, like, is this a happy hour? Right, you were just joking. Say, oh, well, sure, we're yeah. the, I'm a young guy, joke, right, yeah, you know. Yeah. You'd often say it in a soft mind, is this a happy hour? And sure, the lad or the girl might say, oh, geez, that, that was an hour ago, you're late, <laughs> yes. come in tomorrow or something. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he was grumpy. Yeah. But he took up the car anyway, and I see him going through it and all the rest. And I was sitting there, I see going out the door, and I was sitting there away, and I just said to the, there was a lady there, I said, um, my car has gone out there long, and those things coming back. Oh, just probably thrown the seat, she said. So I went out, yeah, just thrown the seat there. The fail for him, and he's left in ignition. Anybody could have come in and drove it after. But anyway, I looked ahead. A floppy brake pipe on the back. Okay, we don't mind that. Now, them pipes were checked by a mechanic, and a man, mechanic is, he's in the business with it, if dear. Hmm. He said, I could see nothing right. There, there's a bit of a fray there, and the old back pipe, he said, but sure, it's not busted. And it's only an old thing that's covered her over, that'll be grand. And then I looked ahead. The driver's seat is not working properly. Grand. What, what, what does that mean? That you that can't, you can't that move it, it, is it? It's not functioning. It's not going forward, and it's not going backwards. My seat is set for myself. No one else drives the car to me. Right. And that's, uh, and it's a major problem. Major. It's not... You'd often say an advisory, they say, get it done, or... Right, that's a, that's a major one. It's yeah. a major, a mad year So we're talking to a panel beater the other night that, you know, that does cars, that takes out seats, those cars, and they're crashed, and they have to repair everything else. Hmm. And he actually left, and I said it. Major. Ah, and I, had to, I showed it to him. I don't believe it, he said. I do not believe it. Will you bring it down to me tomorrow? And I look at it, I won't, I said. I don't feel like taking it down tomorrow. Hmm. So bring it out next week, he said. It's a joke, like. No, that's, that's what happened. The driver's seat. So, so the, the, the driver's seat, and there was a problem with, with the, the brake, well, the, the covering of the brake pipe, pipe was that, it? They do find little falls. Yeah. Like, okay, the mechanic that looked at it, he even looked at it again yesterday, he said, yeah, look, I'll get you a new pipe, but you really don't need it. When yeah. I take it off, he says, you can take it in with you and give it to him. <laughs> and ask him, what's, what's the problem? What's, but yeah. you see, it's 55 euro. 
to check your car and then if they get you back in it's another 20 years so they will have to find something underneath to get more money and do you think it's as cynical as that do you think that there's oh, I would say so yeah I know that you, you probably talk to people too. the majority of people have to go back they have to go back for retest yeah, but is is that because is that because the is that because the majority of us, when we go in, like we go in to see what what they're going to knock the car on? Now, in your case, you you went to a mechanic first. I see what they're going to knock it. Well, I just had my car in the tire on it, and the mechanic just had a quick look under it, and he said I could see nothing really wrong. No, that's always wrong. Everything else is perfect. But what I'm saying is, you go in there and. There was a lady now yesterday, I don't know what sort of like a, a car she was driving, mm. but she came in and uh, she talked to the gentleman. I seen her at the desk, and next thing he came back in. He was out in to get the car and he came back in. You may go home, he says. And she said, why? Because he said, yeah, go home and clean your car and bring it back when it's clean. Wow. So I don't know what sort of a car it was inside, but he, she sent, he's, he's, he sent her home, go back and come back so, when you so have So the car clean. was dirty, so I must have been. I must have been very bad. It must be like Johnny Luby's car. <laughs> huh? Must have been indeed. <laughs> let, let, go go back to uh, the fact you were waiting around for a result, and did nobody approach you? And no, do you see? Because yeah. normally somebody comes out and they bring the form and they explain to you. They do. They do. And if they manage to come to me with the form and say, "Sure," I say, "Look at the seat. I set the seat, and that's the way it is set. I can't be moved." Because there's a button on it, you, you can press. A, there's a button on it that nobody knows where it is. You can't be moving it up and down. And if he had to say it, I'd say, "Sure, look, I'd have it set for myself. Will he not? Will he leave that alone?" No, he disappeared. Ah, but you look at that. And if you ring up uh, Dublin, then mm. and uh, nobody talked to. Mm. They're a foreign company anyway. We call them foreign. Maybe it's not right name to call them, but there's a foreign company that's doing that. I don't know what country they're from. And 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 tell me this: When are you bringing back the car? Uh, in, in twenty-eight days. Twenty-eight days. Now we'll leave it for twenty-eight days. I won't go back in twenty-seven. Right. I'll and, go back in twenty-eight. And is that just, you know, because you're you you? Well, you, no, I'll just no panic. I'll just take it back in twenty-eight days. I'll, I'll have the pipe done tomorrow. Right. So my brakes will be okay. And sure, if I'm stopped by the the guard of Shia I'll just tell him about the seats, and I'd say they'll probably laugh as well, you know, because I see it. Loads of seats in cars, you can't tell them up or down, you? And, and did they explain to you why that is unsafe in some way? Oh, no, no, he just left the thing on the passenger seat of the car and left the keys in it, and there was no sign of him to be seen. Right. I didn't know it around, you know. Ah, it was a bit, it was a bit annoying, you know and, what I mean? And what if they were to say to you, Michael, what if they were to say to you that they have your best interest in heart here, at heart, and they're trying to keep you safe? No, but but just by the nature of what they're doing, that's probably behind it. Does that mean anything to you, or do you still think it's nonsense? Because the the seat is bolted down with four bolts, right? And I can guarantee you one thing: there's no you wouldn't be pulled out of the JCB because you pulled the whole floor out of the window or thrown over the car. No, the seat the seat is quite safe. Yeah, I'm just trying to think why. I'm trying to think why they would have found a problem with that. I mean, is it that in the event of a crash, you might find it hard to get out of the car because of the way the seat is? I I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's gone for seven years. I went in for six years before that, and it never failed the seat. Oh, with the seat, the very same. Oh, they're all the very same way. To try have it set. No one else drives. No one else drives that car anymore. Right, but but it passed in in previous times, even though the seat was the same way. No, they never said a word about seat. Oh, God. No. 
And I, I, I was talking to a man yesterday in the Premier County, and he said he's seen a lady with a car and there was indicators on the mirrors, and one of the indicators wasn't working. And they, would, they said, no, you'll have to bring it back when you have it fixed. And she had an indicator on the front and she had an indicator on the, on the back, and they were working. No, it had to be working on the mirror as well. And there was another lady uh, with two child seats in the back of the car, well secured for her babies or whatever age they were, 12 months, two years, up to six years, I suppose. And the, the, myself and another man had to take out the seats out of the car before they tested. Now, Fran, wouldn't yeah. seats are in the car for safety for the kids. They should be clapping the woman in the back. Well, I, 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 was sent, I was sent away one time from a, an NCT because I had CDs in the boot of the car. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, is it? Um, I, just, I know it's just, it's just a joke and a half, but what can you do, Fran? Yeah. You can't, there's no putting shouting in order, and you're just... Uh, well, they did ring Dublin yesterday, and uh, there was nobody. There'd be no one to comment on that at the moment. We'll be anywhere around tomorrow. There might be. So I'm going to ring again today. I got someone. I just ask them, like, uh, what's the problem with the seat? That's the way it goes, man. So what can you do when he's smiling stuff around? Uh, I, I suppose, yeah. Listen to Johnny Luby. Johnny Luby <laughs> might have a word for, an answer for that now. <laughs> Would he? <laughs> I'm yeah, not sure he, he's gone. To bed, he? He's gone back to bed, Michael. So I'm not sure if he has an answer for anything at the moment. And he's, and he's talking then about RT and talking about the. And he's going, he can go back to bed in the middle of the day. <laughs> on, his an, on his anniversary as well, you know. He's, I he, wouldn't believe a word he says. He was out last night. He mightn't be anywhere. Oh, he was. Oh, he was. Was all over social media last night. He played a storm by all accounts. But anyway, there you go. He was a woman down there. God, at all. Don't be saying stuff like that now. Look after yourself, anyway, Michael. Really good to talk to you. And thanks for coming on with us today. Uh, That's uh, Michael speaking to us uh, there about his experience with the NCT. What do you make? Of that, uh, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. It's 18 past 10 right now. Somebody saying, they failed my car on contaminated brake fluid. What a joke. A sealed unit, says one of our listeners. So what about your experience of NCT? Do you want to do you want to share it with us? Um, 083-311-3311. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, the royal family in the UK embroiled in major speculation online over what's really going on behind closed doors with claims that Kate Middleton is missing, Charles is dying and William is having a nervous breakdown. So here to give us a rundown on what the rumours are and whether or not there's any truth behind them, I'm joined by uh, Ali. Good morning to you, Ellie. How morning, are you? Good morning, Fran. Good. This really has taken over social media, hasn't it? It has, and the more you delve into it, it's quite broad. So it's not just one issue of Kate being 
going missing. There's a lot of different little things going on in the background as well that all kind of play into each other. So it all kind of started um, with Charles really announcing his, his cancer diagnosis. Well, first of all, it wasn't the cancer diagnosis. It was that he was going into hospital to have a procedure. He might be out for a couple of weeks. Then a couple of weeks later... Uh, Kensington Palace announced that he had been diagnosed with cancer. They still haven't said where. And I think the lack of information that's coming out from the royal family is leading to all of this speculation. And so much so that Kate Middleton has been trending on Twitter for the past, I would say, week. And is probably the most uh, discussed topic on social media over the past few days. Even so here, which it wouldn't normally be. So if you look at the timeline of what's happened... Kate was last seen in public on December 25th. So this was during their annual Christmas walk with the family. It was when they they went to their church service that morning. That would be a normal thing for the royals. They would also they would always go out and have like a photo op with that. So that was the last time that she was seen in public. She looked fine. There wasn't any indication that anything was wrong. And in fact, on the days preceding that, they had announced that Kate and William had a busy 2024 ahead that there was a royal tour planned for Italy in February or March. So at that stage, there was nothing wrong. So on December 28th then, Kate is reportedly admitted to hospital. Interestingly, it also collates with some videos that were taken at St James's Palace that day where a private ambulance was recorded leaving the palace with a convoy of cars. Now that was a video that was on Twitter over a number of days Hard to track down that video now. It's only on a couple of accounts, even though it was uh, a fairly wow. uh, widely available up until about, I'd say, about two weeks ago. So then there wasn't much until January 17th. The palace announced then that Kate had planned abdominal surgery on January 16th and that she'll remain in hospital for 10 to 14 days. Now, in that statement, they tell everyone explicitly that Kate will be out of the public eye and they said based on the current medical advice she is unlikely to return to public duties until after Easter. Now they didn't say why she had undergone this surgery. All it said was planned abdominal surgery. So that in itself led to a lot of speculation. People were... I think it it depended who you listened to, but some people thought that she had a hysterectomy, which would explain the timeline, that she'd be in hospital for two weeks and then would have a long recovery time. A lot of people arguing that online, that she wouldn't be out that long with a hysterectomy, maybe. But that seemed to be the most popular Mm. Um, opinion at the time. It was also going around that maybe she she had been vocal a number of years ago that she had stomach issues. Yes, yeah, and I remember that. Yeah. people thought then maybe it was a colitis and she had to go into hospital to get part of her intestine removed and that she now has a colostomy bag and that's why she's out until Easter um, because they'll repair whatever damage, remove the bag and by the time right. she's back. Well, this is just speculation. This it? is all, all speculation. speculation. Right. There was also speculation that she had had a miscarriage. There was speculation that she has a serious eating disorder. And that was taken from pictures that were taken of her over the last few years that show bandaged fingers. And they would say that would indicate that she has bulimia because she's using her fingers and and it's it's scraping the skin. Like it's gone that far. It's huge. I saw one yesterday where it said that they took body parts from Kate to give to Charles. (laughs) 
because of Charles's um, medical issues oh that they're using Kate for body parts. Now, right. obviously, that's a bit out there, that one. Yeah, but she hasn't been seen. She has she? not been and, seen. And there's no official sort of... No, and what's interesting, you have to remember, she's had three children and one or two days after she had those babies, she was on the front steps right. of the hospital yeah. in full hair and makeup, not a bother on her. So she's a tough lady mm. and she knows when she has to put it on and, and turn up. But what's interesting, January 17th then, Buckingham Palace announced that King Charles has sought treatment for an enlarged prostate. He'd be going to hospital for a week. Then one day after Kate's surgery was announced, Prince William is seen visiting her in hospital. He wasn't seen after that, even though she was in hospital for two weeks. He was never seen going to visit her again. Neither were her family. Now, you could say that maybe they went in some kind of secret entrance or it was kept very private how they were going in. Of course, that's always a possibility. Then January 21st, Sarah Ferguson, you know Fergie, of course, uh, the ex-wife of Prince Andrew. She was diagnosed with skin cancer after being treated for breast cancer in June 2023. Then it all kind of kicked off because everyone started going mad saying, the royals all have cancer, what's going on? So on the 24th, US media reported there had been no indication that anything was wrong within the Prince and Princess of Wales. The broader circle of family, friends and Kate's hospitalisation was a surprise even to those who worked closely with the royal family. That was coming from US media at that time. Then on the 26th, Charles underwent his procedure for the enlarged prostate in the same facility where Kate Middleton was recovering. And People magazine reported in the US that King Charles paid a visit to her to see how she was. That wasn't reported in the UK media at all. Then on the 29th, Kensington Palace released a statement confirming that Kate is back home following her hospitalisation. So this was what surprised people because there hasn't been a picture of her even in a car leaving the hospital. There's been absolutely nothing. There's been no update on social media. You would expect they're, they're normally very present on social media. So maybe she would send mm. a picture of herself saying thanks for all the well wishes. Yeah. And what about the paparazzi who would be constantly Absolutely. And that's what, what a lot of doing. people are wondering. Why is the UK paparazzi seemingly conspiring with the royal family to keep whatever is going on secret. Now, the only um, paparazzi or journalism that seems to be kind of looking into it has been the wider European media. And that's kind of what started this whole thing. There was a Spanish journalist called Concha Coleja, who works for a paper in Spain. And she said that according to her royal sources, Kate is actually in a coma. And that's what's going on. And that's what why nobody... Um, is commenting on it because they don't want people to know. Now, the royal family, as we know, they're always very slow to comment on any rumour or speculation. Mm. But they actually issued a statement in relation to that saying it's totally made up and it's not the case. So then to take away from that, on February 5th, Buckingham Palace announced that King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer and his schedule of treatments is set to begin. He'll be undertaking state business and official uh, paperwork. Um, Then on the 7th of February, William finally broke his silence on Kate at an event and in a speech he was saying he'd like to take the opportunity to thank everyone for the messages of support for Kate and his father. Now what was interesting as well at that time, I think two days after that, William released a press release. Um, It was that famous one about Gaza where he's calling for an end to the war in Gaza. It was only his symbol or his emblem that was used in that and he spoke 
um, from his own perspective. Whereas normally any statement, you would have the emblem of the House of the Prince yes. of Wales and the Princess of Wales. And it would be we feel and we would like to say it was all I, me, um, which would be quite unusual. A lot of people are saying he's respecting Kate's privacy and that's why that is. But it's still something he never would have done before. Then on the 27th of February, Prince William very dramatically and very at the 11th hour pulled out of a memorial service for his godfather, uh, citing personal reasons. That is despite the fact it was held at St George's Chapel, which is right next door to William and Kate's Windsor home. Um, that was kind of strange because what then transpired two days later was that a very close friend of, of, of Prince William, a man called Thomas Kingston, who's the husband of Lady Gabriella Kingston and son-in-law of Prince and Princess Michael of Kent, had died at the age of 45. He was found dead at his parents' house. The rumour and conjecture online is that he died of a drug overdose mm. and that William was with him at the time and that William could potentially face criminal charges because of what happened. Now, this is like serious conspiracy stuff on Twitter, so I'm not saying that is going to happen, but that is what the conjecture is on Twitter. And that's why they're saying he pulled out of that because he was so devastated over what happened to his close friend in the days wow. preceding that. Um, so... Royal commentator then Richard Fitzwilliams says the non-appearance um, owing to the personal matter was totally unexpected. And then the royal source came out then that day as well to say, Kate Middleton, by the way, Kate Middleton's OK. She's doing well, so don't worry. She, even though at this stage she hasn't been seen or photographed or heard from in 64 days. Um, so to bring us up to date then again, the palace confirmed that she would be out of the public eye until after Easter. They issued another statement yesterday. I think this is off the back of growing media speculation. And they made it clear, that it was a funny statement. It was kind of as, our per last, as per our last email kind of a statement. Mm. And it said the timeline of the princess's recovery uh, is the same and will only provide significant updates uh, when they occur. And that guidance still stands, is what that statement basically says. It's a three-line statement. So... I think it's going to continue. I think it's been handled appallingly mm. by the royal family. I think people are, especially when you consider that Charles has been very open since they announced that he does have yes. cancer. Yeah. He's been very open about his treatment. He's been photographed going to treatment, said he's doing well. Uh, Camilla has been to the forefront. A lot of speculation about that, that Camilla's the one running the show now, so she's trying to keep everything kind of on the down low. There's also a lot of speculation online that the cancer diagnosis that Charles got is a lot worse then is being yes, let I, out. Yes, I saw that as well. Yeah. So there's so much of this speculation surrounding the royal family that's just blowing up just, everywhere. And can you just... Uh, I, I, I know you're across this, but the, the three horses... The three horses is a strange video. Now, it depends on who you talk to and who gives their opinion on this. There was a video... Um, it was two weeks ago, I believe, where a gentleman took a video... Um, just outside St. James's Palace of a parade of soldiers, two black horses, one white horse, carrying a flag that's covered, so we don't know what the flag is. And they're parading, I think, from St. James's Palace to Buckingham Palace, I believe. And the man who shot the video um, is a royalist. He, he loves everything royal. And he said that this is highly unusual and you would only see 
a white horse in the event of a dead royal. Yes. Now, a lot of other people are saying it's not just in that case. You would also see a white horse if Charles is in residence at St. James's Palace. So there's a lot, a lot of argument over that. A lot of people also saying that you can see an empty boot in the stirrup of the white horse, which would indicate that one of the royals has died. And at that time, I mean, the, there was no... Uh, the only kind of royal linked death at that time was the Roth, Rothschild death. Um, I think that was the day before. So a lot of people then wondering, is there a close connection between the royal family and the Rothschilds? And maybe that's why the Rothschilds are so powerful. And Conspiracy so, <laughs> theorists are I mean, you could be just, yeah, they I mean. are going absolutely mad. But the problem is they're being allowed to because of nothing course, is yeah. being said and there's no clarification on anything. I'm not sure if this would have happened under Elizabeth. I'm sure she would have absolutely made sure that Absolutely not. They, she they would have put out. a stop to that. Yeah after a couple of hours. I mean, all it would take is for Kate maybe to put out a social media post with a picture with the kids yeah, saying or a piece of recovering audio at home. Even, whatever, yeah. You know. But um, it'll be interesting to see how long this will continue to go on because, I mean, they have to draw a line under it now because there is some crazy stuff going out now. All right, Ali, thanks very much indeed thanks, for that most interesting and most intriguing, I'm sure you'll agree, 1800 938 007. <laughs> If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. <laughs> I see we have quite a few of our own uh, conspiracy theorists uh, as well uh, out there. Somebody saying that Kate Middleton was injured in a time machine whilst travelling to the year 3025 with Baron Trump. Very good indeed. Connor Reedy onto us as well. I love that one, Connor. <laughs> Could well, could well be true. You never know indeed. All right, Claire's Wish Foundation was founded in uh, 2013 and is uh, supported entirely by individuals, businesses and community groups. Um, they're the only Irish charity dedicated to providing wishes exclusively to adults with terminal illnesses. And Kevin Clancy is the founder and joins me now. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Fran. Thanks very much for putting me on. You're very welcome indeed, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Will you tell us about um, why you decided to put this foundation together, Kevin? Well, my dad got very sick in uh, January 2011, and uh, poor old devil, he ended up in intensive care unit in the Matter Hospital six months on a ventilator, which was pretty bad for him, seeing him go through that. And uh, he only came out during the whole six months. He came out for a couple of days into the high defensive unit and he wasn't able to speak obviously with the uh, ventilator being strapped on for so long so <clears throat> he wrote it, he wrote it a last wish basically on a little board a chalkboard they provided mm. for him and uh, his wish was really just unplug all this stuff off me and take me home back to doing which we couldn't we couldn't do it in fairness because it, it, it didn't last too long once they, once they decided to actually remove all the equipment he only lasted a few minutes so pretty bad to watch him go through that so do you know what I did? I just it took me a while to settle my mother in here of my own home. She moved back with us and um, just started googling one night to see who actually grants wishes in Ireland for adults and found there was nobody doing it. 
so you decided to fill that that uh, void. I think the passing of your your sister played a part in your decision as well, Kevin. Yeah, well, I mean, the name of the charity was a no-brainer for me because I named it straight after Claire. And Claire was actually C-L-A-R-E, Claire Clancy. Um, She passed away at 24 years of age quite a few years ago or so. I had to name it in honour of Claire because we were so close as kids and it was just a pleasure of the thing to do to name it after Claire, you know. Yeah, I think Claire had spina bifida, did she? She had spina bifida, hydrocephalus, so she used to get what we called back in the 80s was a fit. Um, she used to just, just go on the floor and, and just go into a terrible state for half an hour and she she wouldn't come back for probably five or six hours after it. It used to take an awful toll on her physically and mentally, you know. Um, so in those, in those days, find a bit with her kids only got as far as the mid to late 20s. That's that he's changed an awful lot now. And she passed away at 24, I think, was she 24? 24 years of age, yeah, yeah. I was only in my 20s. And it had, do you know what? It had a huge impact on me because of a... We grew up together, and I suppose I was, looking back, I was our carer as a child, you know, so yeah. it had a huge impact on me at the time. So, do you know what, to run the charity in the name of, of Claire is just fantastic for me. You you told a lovely, a couple of lovely stories. I was watching an interview that you did about how you played with her when she was a kid and how you'd bring her up the, yeah. the, the, the stairs yeah. up to the, the up to your own room, three three stories up. Uh, that's right, fair play now for something that, yeah, yeah. that's that, it's just a memory I have, you know, because obviously it's fine of it. We had a, a big house in England that was three stories. It was even four stories, as far as I remember, and where my bedroom was. And I used to get a, a big towel and tie it in a big knot around the waist and literally just drag her up the stairs all the way up to my bedroom so we could give the whole day playing up there. You know, with fantastic memories with her. And she was a little devil as well in her own way with her. You know, when you're so close to your brother or sister and you lose them at such a young age and you're young yourself, I actually, do you know what, Fran? I gave years not attending funerals after because I was so traumatised by the whole thing. Yeah, because, you know, even though I think it was back in 2018 you did the interview that uh, that I'm referring to, but you, you, you were still very emotional about it even at that stage. Yeah, um, I was. The, was. the notion of granting wishes then, I mean, about roughly how many have you looked after so far? Well, I can't believe we're 10 years. We were in 2013, so we're 10 years. It's hard to believe what the 10 years have gone. So our goal from day one was to always try and grant a wish every four weeks, and we've always done that. We've never lost that goal. So um, at the moment, we're working on nine wish requests. But they can, you see, it's a funny... Wish granting is, is a funny thing because you could be working on nine, but then two, two of the wish requests you get can go down stick because you're, you're operating on an urgent basis with people with a terminal illness. So things can change dramatically within a few days, you know. Um, a lot of our wish requests come from palliative care teams. Mm-hmm. Actually, 80 90% of the requests we get come from hospitals, palliative care teams and nurses. And, and what, what kind of wishes generally would, huge, would you...? Huge, very, yeah. You know, Fran, 80% of the wishes we get are just... Do you know what they are? They're breaks away somewhere. The family wants to go. To give you an example now, we've just granted two wish requests there uh, two weeks ago. One was down to Centre Park. You know Centre Park in Longford? Yes, I do, of course, yes. So we had a 23-year-old lady, unfortunately, with a terminal illness, and she just wants to take her whole family down to Centre Park for a week because it's going to be their last week, basically. To get her, you know, so that was granted a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we also... 
down in Tralee with a lady in palliative care down there and the palliative team got on to us to see could we bring family members from the UK over to Tralee that she hadn't seen in 20, 25 years and she had 35 members of her family for a meal, you know, and a night out down in Tralee. It's, again, it's going to be their last time ever probably together, you know. It's amazing things, really. Is it, is it, and, and Kevin, I can hear from you. You're a guy that you, you're full of empathy for for the people in very unfortunate well, situations. Well, yeah, how can you? Lost... How do you cope with this? I I couldn't cope with this because it's it's tragic stories all of the time. Yeah, no, it's constant, Fran, twenty four seven. But you know what it is? I suppose uh, from the from my own dad's experience, watching what dad went through six months. Imagine six months on the ventilator. Oh, Oh my God. I can't even imagine it. I remember he, when he came out, he was writing on the board for a couple of days. We thought he was actually coming out of it, and uh, the doctor said, "No, he's not. He's not going. And he's not going anywhere." And he wrote on the board, "You have no idea what I'm going through." And it's so sad. Oh my you know? God! So he, he could communicate then. with you. The... You're only on a board because oh. you had the ventilator strapped on so long. You see that it affects oh. your vocal cords. Oh my God! You can't talk. Terrible, terrible stuff. What, poor, what were you going to say about your mother? Sorry. My mum, yeah. I mean, we only had my mother over here. for. We had to move her to my house because she was living on her own in, in Bilbo in June. So we moved her back to my own house and she bought a lovely mobile home. We put her into the back garden, but then she had lung cancer. Oh, God. You know, so I've been through it. So I suppose, do you know what it is? I know what people are going through exactly because I've been through it with my sister Claire from watching that going on and my dad is in my, losing my mother to lung cancer so I know what people are going through exactly how they feel you know and I know the urgent cases we get cases where people have pancreatic cancer like my dad and it's uh, very serious I'm working on a case at the moment now and you know you've only got a week or two weeks or whatever it's really serious stuff and as I I, I began to ask you how, how you cope with this personally then, with all you've gone through yourself, the reminders of that, and as I say, the unfortunate cases that you're dealing with, how do you protect yourself? Sometimes you don't. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. You get too close to some cases. One particular case, I can remember it well, a couple of years ago, we had a request from Omer, County Tyrone, the first one in Northern Ireland, and a lovely, lovely lady. Uh, She's huge on Instagram, and she just wanted, she's a very small house, the diagnosis was really, really bad, and she wanted a log cabin put into her garden so she could have a treat, what she called a treatment room away from her house that she could go into and, and get all the cancer treatments and equipment and medication put into one area that her children wouldn't be watching what was going on. Now, the thing that struck me was she was the same age as my daughter. She was very young, and the kids were the very same age as my daughter's kids. Wow. And it just, yeah, it just struck a chord. Um we got onto a log cabin company in Ireland who came on board, and between ourselves, the log cabin, we set up a GoFundMe page as well. Because this log cabin was seventeen thousand euros worth. Mm. It's quite a big ask, you know. Mm. So within within three or four weeks, we had the log cabin placed into her garden. I drove to Oma to meet her. It was right in the middle of, well, it wasn't in the middle of cold, but it was one of the stages where we could travel. I drove to Oma to meet the lady, and absolutely the nicest lady you meet and we got really really close and um, two months ago we lost her and you know yeah how do you cope how do you cope with that you don't 
I, I, I just, I just don't know. Um, did you, have you come to any conclusions, Kevin? You're, you've been dealing with people who are close to deaths and in those situations, are there common denominators in, in terms of how they deal with this, or what, what have you come up with? No, no. Do you know this is very wide. I mean, I think every family in Ireland has been affected by cancer. There's no doubt. Every single person. Yeah. And uh, I, I suppose you know we get a lot of requests from different illnesses, and we kind of know like the areas when it comes from palliative care teams. You know that it's, it's serious, and you need to get back in on it straight away, which we do. Um, we work quite a lot with Milford actually in Limerick as well on yes. wish requests. So. Yeah, no, it's not easy, Sam, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it isn't. Um, what about funding? Because you are a registered charity, Kevin, I know. Yeah, how yeah. how yeah. do you manage for funding? Well, most, most of the funding we get are from you know families that we've helped in the past come on board and do things, which is fantastic. Um, we, try and do, we try and do events that people would love to go to. And by the way, it's the Claire's Wish. So we do quite a few concerts during the year. We mm. do shows. We work quite a lot with tribute bands. Um, like we work, we work with James Birmingham. We do the George Michael tribute night. We do uh, Joe Dolan with um, Asper Brennan. Yes. And um, we run maybe five or six of those during the year to help take the pressure. And then mm. whatever comes in from individuals or groups or people that's doing runs or whatever, you know, helps us. We don't have a massive target to hit France, to be honest with you, for the year. Um, also, wish requests, we, we reach out as much as we can. Like, if it's if it's away somewhere in, a, in a, a hotel somewhere, we try and reach out to a hotel and see what they help us in some way, and they do, most of the time they do, which is great. Mm. Um, and that just kind of, you know what it is, it's trying to do as much as we can with as little that we have, you know. Of course, and you obviously do a lot of the admin yourself, Kevin. Yes, the admin is the killer. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> well, I, I had a retail business plan in the Parkway Shopping Centre years ago, and there's uh, no doubt that uh, this particular charity is ten times. And it, it takes over your life, and to be honest, it's 24-7. And so uh, this, it, look, there's a good side to it, because you know what you're doing is amazing. I've seen, mm-hmm. I've bought here with, um, you know, People sending in letters and sending in photos, and it's just, you can see, I'm amazed at what we've done in the past over the 10 years, absolutely. Do you know we've married five different couples over the, over the last 10 years? Five couples got married because of Claire's wish. So this will, would have been a last wish. Uh, somebody's terminally ill, but they want to, to get married before they pass away. Yeah, now that's huge pressure because you have literally, you're trying to put together a wedding within five weeks. Now, you know how long it takes to put a wedding together. Of course. Of it takes course. a couple of years, normally. But it's a big ask for us, you know, and uh, both fun-wise and the pressure of trying to put together all the... We don't cut back, like, full bands, full reception, full flowers, menswear, uh, wedding dresses, a huge one. You know, it's a huge ask, but we've, we've actually managed to, to marry five different couples. They must be incredible, incredible occasions. Because, I mean, a oh, wedding yeah. is a motive at the best of times, but, you know, to have one of the people involved being terminally ill, I can't imagine it, in fact. Uh, look, the last one we did was in Waterford just before, um, about 18 months ago. We went down to Water- I went down to Waterford to the reception. It was just so emotional. 
Um, so it was just incredible, incredible day. And the poor lady then passed away six weeks later after it, you know. So it's, 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 in a way, it's fantastic on the day, but it, it becomes really sad. I'm sure, and particularly, I suppose, when, when there's young children involved left behind yeah, as well. Exactly. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I presume if people listening to us would like to contribute in some way, Kevin, is there a way they can do that? Do you know, we've got a great website, Fran. It's claireswishfoundation.com. B-L-A-R-E-S in Claire's. Um, everything's on that. There's some amazing... First thing I would say is if anybody wants to go onto that website... Um, all our contacts are on it, uh, Facebook, and we've got a great Facebook page. There was amazing wish videos on that website that we've done in the past. Um, incredible. Some of them are one wish to marry actually are on that website. You'll be able to see them. They're incredible. The videos, we do what we call wish videos for families that need them. Do you know what? I would love to put on a video now of my dad and my can because I don't have it, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, of course, yes. Of so course. some of the families, we offer them we get a professional videographer to come in on the day and video the actual wish if they if that's something they would like. So we've done that quite a bit in the past and it's lovely for the family to look back on, on, on the video and see that person again. It's great, fantastic. I was just thinking, there's, there's a marvellous book in this as well, Kevin, of just the stories, you know. The stories on the wishes, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's one particular wish video on, on that uh, website that Bernard from Cork, he had a wish to, to fly above his home in a helicopter down in the Cork area. But the problem was that he had MS, he was in a wheelchair. And uh, no Irish company would insure him, number one. And the prices they were coming back was just out of, out of the park, basically. And they would, couldn't get insurance. But the problem was the lifting in and out of the helicopter. That was the big issue. If you've ever been in a helicopter from ground up to the actual seat, and it was about four or five foot or more, actually. Um, so we got a UK company to come over to Cork on a golf course outside of a hotel, Casamata Hotel down there in Cork. Mm. And we got the local Cork Fire Brigade. We're professionally trained to lift somebody in and out. And we were able to grant the wish. It's on our, it's on our uh, website. It's absolutely one amazing video. It's, a, it's just a grand... And some of the wishes, I guess, would be very simple, or would they, Kevin? They would. I mean, the breaks away are quite simple to put together. The, yeah. the, the one problem area we have with that, and it, it can be, is that uh, people can't travel anymore. You wouldn't think of it, but if you're sick, you're not able to get in the car anymore. And if it's, if it's the husband that is sick, and the wife might be in a position that she can drive. So we have then travel issues, you know, so it might it can be simple, but then it can turn into others, you know, we might need to operate with travel as well, but Travel for some reason at the minute has gone very expensive. Mm, yeah. we, we had to get a guy from, um, he had a wish to go to a lighthouse in Donegal from Ennis, but he couldn't travel. So we had to get a limousine company to drive him from Ennis to Donegal. You know, and that's where the funds kick in because they're talking of eight, nine hundred euro for a job yeah. car to go from Ennis to Donegal. It's very expensive indeed. Um, do do yeah. give out the website again, uh, Kevin, because I've really yeah, seen here's a lot of interest is, uh, in this. Yeah, yeah. the website is claireswishfoundation.com and the spelling is C-L-A-R-E-S. My dad spelled Claire as in County Claire. I don't know why, but that's what, that's what he decided to do. Yeah, very so good. It's a great website. 
Very good indeed. Well, congratulations on the huge amount of work that you've been doing, and wonderful work it is too. But you need to mind yourself, Kevin. You do, you do, you do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to do it though, Fran, when you get close to these people. I We've know. been, we get so close, and then the person you've helped might come back and do a fundraising. You go to the fundraising, you get closer. Do you know what I mean? They got really close to a lovely lady in Westwood, Trina, Trina Cleary, and she's fortunately she's passed away now as well. And we got so close to her. Look, you have to, you know, it's part of what you do. You, you can't just avoid these people. They're, mm. they're helping you as well, doing fundraising later on, and which is amazing. I mean, the lady with the log cabin did a fundraiser six months after the log cabin and raised 10,000 euros for Claire's Wish, which was just... How could you not get close to that lady? Yeah, and, and and I'm just wondering, I mean, you know, and I alluded to, to it earlier on, but just before I let you go, the, the are you always astounded at the bravery of the people who are given this prognosis? Oh, and, amazing. Yeah. Oh, the, the lady from Omar, the most, the absolute most brave woman in the world. She tried everything out there. She went to Mexico, tried all the treatments she could possibly can. She's fundraised in the middle of it all to take her mind off of things, not just for us. She did it for other... Did for a children's charity in Omar as well. Um, huge on Instagram. She had a massive following on Instagram. Jem Howe was her Instagram post. And um, oh, you just look, you're in awe looking at the likes of Gemma. Absolutely in awe. Well, Kevin, we wish you well, as I said, and uh, look after yourself, and uh, we'll check in on you uh, again, but it's it's tremendous work you're doing. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Good morning Can I you. Can I just mention one little thing before I go? Of course you can. Of course you can. Um, we're running a little fundraiser in Tipperary Town. It's the first time we've been to Tipperary Town, even though we're local. We're in Dune. Um, we're running it in Nelly O'Brien's bar, the Joe Dolan tribute night on the 16th of March, if anybody can make it on that night. Mm. It'll be after the parade, actually. And I think, is Ireland playing Scotland the same day? I think they are. Mm-hmm. I think they are. So if you could just mention that as well, that people Fair. just support us on the night. Very good. Um, that's, that's what my old friend Pascal Brennan, isn't it? Isn't he doing that? Yeah, Pascal yeah. Brennan's fantastic. We've worked with Pascal quite a bit in the past. Yeah. Brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. So Pascal's going to be there, nearly all Brown's 16th of March, 9pm. And uh, whatever we raise on the night, then we'll go to Claire's Wish. Fantastic. Well done, Kevin. Thanks very much well, indeed. I really appreciate Thank it. Thanks you. a million. Anytime at all. Bye-bye, Janans. Kevin Clancy there, founder of Clare's Wish Foundation. Uh, news and information's coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. I love all the conspiracy stuff that's coming in from Tipperary. Ooh, I'll tell you this. If I could only read out the half of it. It's, it's time for our Friday panel, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Joe Leahy. Joe, of course, as you're well aware, this uh, stage founder of Seesaw in Clonmel, security consultant, and we better say Seesaw in Tipperary Town as well. Phil Prendergast is with us, former MEP, a nurse, uh, midwife, agony aunt here on Tip FM, and JJ Killian is with us. 
Mills, businessman, former member of the Defence Forces and chair of Clonmel Rugby Club. So you're all extremely welcome and thanks Thank for you, coming Brian. in to Thank us you, today. Uh, can I ask your expert advice, <coughs> Phil, on uh, Kate Middleton? Um, because there's speculation about her health and one thing. You, you were saying stuff off air in terms of um, how long she'd be out of action with certain... Yeah, so um, she was in hospital for abdominal surgery and she was kept in for two weeks. And sometimes if somebody has something like, say, a hysterectomy or um, a bladder repair in particular, um, that can take up to three weeks, four weeks before they're fit to be able to not need, say, a bag. And um, it may have been something like that and that would keep her out of sight like she has been. And it may be that it's simply um, complications from the surgery. Could be adhesions. It could be that she's had to go back in again. So it, it I don't think she's demised. But I do yeah. think that um, it is a matter of interest because there's so many people that have conspiracy theories about her absence and about the fact that um, Prince William yeah. didn't go to the, the um, occasion of the, the death of his relative that yeah. he had to pull out at short notice. So it would it would make you wonder. Um, obviously, they're very family-focused, but when you are a public family supported by the uh, general populace, you, you certainly... And, and are you debate. constantly surprised at the huge amount of interest in everything they do? Um, I just think it's because it's, it's a tradition. I think... The, the Queen was so lovely and I suppose she never put a foot wrong really in terms of saying something out of place or whatever and then you had Harry going off and marrying Meghan and moving to the States and taking his children and there seems to be some sort of a rift mm. between him now and William and it's all look it's all family stuff that probably happens all the time from because they're on such they have such public such profiles that they're, them, yeah. they're not going to be you know mm. treated the same as, as the, the ordinary mere mortals of course yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe do you follow What's happening in the royal ranks? Or no, does that... and royal Ascot only, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no interest whatsoever. Not at all, none in the world. And, uh, you know, a fantastic time for the late uh, Lady Diana, you know, when she was happened to her was absolutely horrendous, you know. Mm. And I have, no, I have no interest, good, better and different. Yeah, I was only watching that episode of The Crown last night where the, the, the crash happened. In fact, yeah. uh, JJ, what about you? Uh, any well, well, from my point, I hope that Kate Milton regains full health and sure she will yeah. um, but I think we're falling into the royal watching trap here as we always do here in Ireland yeah. we seem to be obsessed with this uh, I mean I, I take Phil's points that they are a very very public family and all that but there's a sort of a tabloid aspect to this and we, we're just fascinated by it and uh, in spite of ourselves and we uh, sometimes our anti-British sentiments which are often you know seen here we are we are secret royal watchers whether we like it or not yeah and, I think uh, we are but even going I remember my grandmother God knows it was a, a Republican house but she she was fascinated by the royals and she knew everything about them and every detail about them and, and everything and speaking of which were you kind of surprised uh, last time we heard about Michael D going <coughs> into to hospital I was follow, following some of the conversations if you could call them that on social media some of it was cruel mm. and awful and insulting and... Yeah, because I think that that's the whole thing with social media. It's it's 
it's unchecked. People can put down what they think are facts or they're under the influence of whatever it might be and they're not, um, they have no... In, in terms of understanding what they're writing can be deemed as very insulting, inflammatory. It can incite hatred um, and you can get a whole shaft of people then that are doing the negative, you know, oh, he's this, he's that and he's, you know, the midget and all of the rest of yeah. it. It's just horrendous. Um, you know, I, 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 as you know, um, and I've said it many times, went off Facebook because of the abuse that I saw on it. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not really wanting to give any time to this sort of thing. So I just deleted it. And oh, completely? Completely. Mm. Right. So you don't engage at all then? No. No. Right, isn't that interesting? You, you, you're the same, JJ? No, I'm the same. I'm, I'm not on any of those platforms. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, Instagram or any of those. I mean, I just don't have the time. I wouldn't have the interest. And as, as Phil quite rightly says, you're allowing people who normally don't have a say in anything or don't have the courage to stand up and say what they should be saying. They are, you know, keyboard yes. warriors in, in their own time. And it's fine. Oh. I, I've always been of the opinion that if you want to put up an email or put up a, a text message or put up a message on Facebook, fine. But put your name to put it name if you have the it, courage. Yes. Yeah. But most people don't have the courage and you know they think they can have a go at anybody. It's cowardice in my view. You know, yeah. if you're putting something up, put your name to it. Be what, brave enough. What about you in that, Joe? I mean, I know like myself, you're you're on yeah. social media platform. Did you see any of that last night? Because I was horrified. I didn't actually it. specifically I know I yeah. wasn't around last night, but I didn't yeah. see any of it about Michael D, but I've not I've seen that constantly about several other things, you know, about people, you know, um blaming this and in the insults like that absolutely fly oh, horrendous. Oh, some of the like, stuff last like, like, and, and not even just Michael Dino, I mean this, like they're, they say horrendous things about people mm -hmm. in general and they just say it as if there's a sense of entitlement that I'm allowed to say what I want mm -hmm. to say. Uh, as Phil has said, like it's unchecked, but not loans are unchecked then there's no comeback from it. There's very rarely mm -hmm. then you'll see anybody taking the task over any of these things. You know, you take down what you say or you can't, this, this something like that is, this happens. But there's no rap in the knuckles like shut. Well, but it is blatantly wrong. It, it is, is wrong, yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're blatantly wrong in what they're stating well, I, I and it's almost like hate speech. I can't understand from a defamation point of view. I mean, some yeah. of what was said last night, if I... If I said it here on Tip FM, or if it was printed in our newspapers, we would be, I mean, you, you'd just be sued to high heaven. But it can be put on a... A, a platform like platform. that. and people, The only thing I will say that if... I know that when I, I was an MEP, um, there was quite a lot of times during the election time in particular, there would be a lot of commentary and a very vitriolic, like mm. very, very, um, really harsh. And I remember getting a threat and um, I actually went to the Gardaí with it. And, you know, I was spat at Was your court. life... I, I remember that. Yeah. Was your life threatened? It wasn't so much it was... It was about... It, like, it was character assassination. It was, you know, that you're an upstart and you're this and you're that. And, you know, the usual kind of things you might expect. But um, some of it was just blatantly... Um, and if you come to Cork, you know, you might get worse than a spit the next time, sort of thing. Horrible, horrible, yeah. But, but the funny thing, though, about it, the, not funny, funny is the wrong word, the sad thing about this is that, you know, over over the course of years, you you know some of these people personally, you're, you know, you automatically, you know some of them, some of the time. And if you see them, and if you see them, what they're involved in, like, because you do know them, they're involved in zilch. 
they do nothing. The, like, this is their life, essentially. This is their life, yes. That's their total focus. That's yeah. their to- and they're of no assistance to anybody. They don't do anything. They're not involved in clubs, uh, voluntary organisations. They're zilch, zilch. But yet and all, they feel this is their bit of power. You know, I'll tell you what I can do to you and what I can say. Talk about rubbish, yeah. brain dead. And were you, were you ever on social media, JJ? No, I never was a oh, fan you, you, you of never, Facebook. You or, never got or, involved. No, no. No, I was it, just wondering, was there a road I'm, I'm to on, Damascus I'm on, experience? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn because it's a more professional platform. It's for professional people. So yeah. I'm on LinkedIn for that. But, you know, the, the problem here is that nationally we're not controlling it. We have just been fined two and a half million by Europe for not bringing in the le- controlling legislation to control these and moderate these platforms. Mm. And we're being, I think we're being fined. I think it's and up 10,000 10, 10, every day. 10, 10, is a that day. because we're providing a home to their HQ in well, a lot of that, cases? Well, there's that, that as well. That puts an, a, a, a greater onus on us to bring in the legislation. And we are the home to all the headquarters of Facebook and everybody else in Europe. And we should be bringing in the legislation. And as usual, we're dragging our feet here in Ireland. We haven't got the legislation in place. It's interesting. All right, to some of what we've lined up to talk about today, then it was reported yesterday that 85% of people who applied for international protection at Dublin Airport in 2023 arrived with either no or false identity documents. Now, the figures have been supplied by the Department of Justice, and that's via a Freedom of Information request. In total, 4,712 people made an asylum claim at the airport last year. 4,007 had no false had or false identity uh, documents. Now, we knew that this was happening, but 85% seems way beyond uh, what we expected. Joe, do you want to take that first of all? Are you surprised by that? No, I suppose I'm not, uh, Fran, because if you look at it, like, you know, you, if you're discussing this, I suppose we need to discuss it in the broader sense. You know, like I'm any undocumented Irish who are in the States and wherever else, you know. Oh, Joe, years. you're not going to use that. I am, Fran. And... Um, do you want to cut me off here now? <laughs> I, know, I, don't. I don't. I beg and, your pardon. I don't know you. I want to joke. And but when you look at it, the undocumented are there and they're here and they're everywhere else. Yeah. What I don't like the bit of this that I don't like at all, and I think it should have been started. It should have been stopped long ago. Is the people that come in with the false. Uh, uh, documents like false documents you went out of your way to get them somebody went out of their way to get them they're clearly false I'd have some bit of empathy with the people that have zilch you know and I really would have a look at them and see what they're about and by all means you know send them back to where they came from but if you look at this thing like in general they had to you know they come into this country yes but they also had to leave someplace you know they got on a plane somewhere what checks are in that country what um Agreements have we with that country in relation to their citizens coming to Ireland and that? Were they checked in that country? Is there something bigger here throughout Europe that we're not being told of? You know, what's going on in, in, in all honesty here? You know, people will say they'll, you know, they will write in and email you in a minute and they'll be saying, what about this, that, that, that? They should be all checked and how would you get, how would we get anywhere if we hadn't our documentation? These people are here. They should be checked and if they are not coming from a war torn part of the country, even like you were see, I remember like years and years ago when I, you know you're down in Cork and you're there, and the next thing there was somebody killed in the north with no disrespect to the north, but it didn't affect us down here at all. You know, it's literally miles away, it's the same country, small little island that we are, but it's still miles away. And if you're not affected, like then these people should be sent back, repatriated to where they came from. And, and would back. you include Ukraine in that if they're in a safe part of Ukraine? And is there a safe part of Ukraine? I mm. don't know whether there is or there not, but if there is a safe part, then. Why not send them back then? Because they had to get on a plane somewhere to come here. Mm-hmm. They had to do that. So why can't they go back and check that and see where these... This is... We're in 2024, like, like these things can be checked in a flash. Well, you'd imagine so. You'd yeah, imagine. So why can't that be done? Or have we some broader agreement with Europe? Because 
where is all the money coming from to do all this and to, to, to support all these people here and to pay hotels and everything Well, else. I don't know, because I'm not fully clear on that, to be honest with you, Joe, yeah, and I'm not sure that anybody is. Yeah, but that's, these are my pints. Like, so yeah, yeah. like, if you land in Ireland with your passport, I would hold your passport, mm. I would have false passport, you had to come from somewhere. You had to get in a plane. That plane had to come from somewhere. Mm. So why can't that be checked at the other end as well? JJ, what are you making of this? Well, <clears throat> I take Joe's point and uh, talk about getting you know documentation in your own home country. Um, this is a this is a massively complex uh, problem, Fran. It's a worldwide problem. I mean, look at the look at the battles that Britain has at the moment in terms of migration. Huge. You talk about sending people to Rwanda, which will fail in the courts eventually. It definitely will. <clears throat> but we're talking about people now. There are people travelling from Afghanistan now through South America, up through Mexico, trying to get into America. This is a massively... Um, and I wouldn't blame the actual applicants themselves. The, um, and even there, there's a problem. I mean, is the person uh, a genuine uh, international protection applicant or is the person an economic migrant? There's that in itself. But I see this not as the, as the people themselves. This is a battle between governments around the world and highly sophisticated criminal gangs who are making huge profits on human misery. Trafficking people, you mean? Trafficking people. That's what they're doing. I mean, you talk about the documentation. I mean, there are stories of people on, on the planes going around collecting the documentation, the passports, and destroying them before they arrive in Dublin. Now, so, and I know, I know what Joe is saying, maybe send them back. How do you send somebody back if you don't know where they came from? And this is the whole point. You know, now we have we have some systems here, but it's very very complex. I mean, I, I said to you, I mean, right now Britain are paying millions and millions and millions to France to try to stop people mm. on the beaches in France, and they're failing. America is failing, despite what Donald Trump will say about his wall. They will fail as well. This is a very 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 complex problem. We won't solve it easily. And, and are you concerned about the effect for future generations of what's happening? Have you any? I, I, I don't. As Joe rightly says, we, we, were, we were immigrants ourselves and we, we had to knock on doors ourselves and beg for, beg for help in, in various countries. So we have a, a decent amount of empathy here for these people. Mm. But and you know what they're going to scream at me now is that when we went abroad, we weren't looked after in the way that we're we generously looking we, after. We weren't, but we're, we're doing our best here and, 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 and you can't fault that. Um, and I think, but immigration is a, is a massive problem here and it'll be a huge uh, bone of contention in the upcoming local elections. Mm. Now, there'll be an awful lot of hot air about it, but there won't be solutions mm. because it's very, very difficult. Kind of interesting to read this morning, though, that uh, Fianna Fáil are yeah. now currently reviewing that's right. their immigration policy. Yeah. Now, that's blatantly yeah. reviewing it with a look to yeah. the elections, isn't well, it? Well, we have, we have sort of amended our legislation in that we are no longer giving the generous allowance to Ukrainian people. We are no longer, you know what I mean? And we have now have a list of safe countries. Now, a safe country means that if someone comes from a, a safe country that they don't uh, get automatic mm. asylum, they would be processed, but they would be processed quite quickly. Now, mm. we have added more... I'm, seven, I'm not sure we're seeing evidence of that. No, though, we're not. JJ, but we, uh, we have added seven more countries, mm. safe countries, onto our list. And I see one of those countries is Algeria. Mm. Now, I wouldn't count Algeria as sort of a safe country. Now, Joe's talked about the, where these people originate from, and I see his point. But, I mean, you have to take, for example, the people coming through South America and in through Mexico. Many of those are coming from Afghanistan. There's no system, there's no administration, there's no proper government in, in Afghanistan. Same with Libya, a huge doorway to Europe is Libya. There's no administration here, there's no structure, there's no proper government there. So there's it's, no way of, of, of getting people ready, you know. Um, Phil, you've been listening there, huh? Uh, yeah, I would also say that in times of, of strife like there is in, in Ukraine at the moment, that people use it as an opportunity to, to move 
to get, you know, they, they saw the... A better a, life. A better it? life. And also that people with lots of skills, maybe that they're not able to afford to live in their old country or they use the opportunity. It, it, it's, it, opportunity is not the correct word, but they're using the, the war as a reason that we need to get out, we need <clears> to be safe. And I can imagine if I lived and my, my lads were young, and a war broke out here, I think I would be the first foot mm. off the planet mm. to, to just get them somewhere safe because that's the instinct of everybody. But, like, people coming in with false passports or false papers in any other country, I think they would be deported right back to where they came from immediately. Because I can't see that Ireland, with its overfull prisons, and Joe can testify to this, um, will be able to be putting people up in jail because they, they have false documentation. Um, if people come to this country and we don't know who they are or by what means they got here, we know what flight they came in on, but we don't know what boat they came on before that or bus they came on before that you know so I mean it's it's there there's a tipping point I think with anyone when you you just find there's so much migration that's that's a a, a horrendous statistic Mm. that there would be that amount of people coming here either with with having destroyed as 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 JJ said um, their passports on the plane before they land or coming in with falsified documents so therefore can you understand while why there would be fear out there as well because if you don't know or have no idea at all about who's coming can you understand that? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Without demonising the people who are no, saying I'm afraid, I'm intimidated, I don't know. It's And it, there's the whole language barrier, there's the whole thing about like not understanding the systems that we have and I suppose to an extent Fran part of it is that we don't understand our own systems because unless you're actually in the need for going trying to get social housing or trying to get you know mm. assistance or help from the various sources that, that people go to um, if you're not in tune with all of that it, it can be all above your head and and I don't mean that to be said in an elitist yes, sense. I, know. I mean it in a, a sense that we sometimes do not know the heart of people are going through. But there is a, a view out there that Ireland is a soft touch and there's great pay for doing nothing and you will get housed and you'll get housed in hotels that were extremely comfortable and lovely and gorgeous and you have your shower and your ensuite and all the lovely things that we have grown to expect. Um, and I can't blame people from wanting to get from war-torn, but I am concerned that somebody would need to either falsify documents. Why? What are they hiding? It is going to be the big issue, is it not, Joe, in local elections and in... Yeah, it certainly know? is. It certainly is going to be. It's going to be one of them. I think I think the issues in the local elections will be will be varied. You know, housing hasn't gone away. I think the health system is creaking. It's all kind know, of related, though, isn't it? It is. Know, it is, know. yeah. It is. And yeah. the accommodation thing is the housing. It's all, you know, and, and it's very... It's very off the tongue, you know what I mean? You can house them and you can't house us. And, you know, that's very flippant in some ways, mm. you know, but it's there. But I think people people um, need to look back, like, you know, when, when the Irish, like, left, will say this country, like, many, many years ago, the, the world was in a different place, you know. Pennies were pennies, do you know what I mean? And people were... There was no uh, bit of affluence, maybe, in, in this country the way it is here now. It was vice versa. When people went abroad, you know what I mean? They went abroad there and they were crossed and it was, hard, it was hard got and it was all that. But nowadays, like, Right, Ireland is a, is 
claimed or deemed to be one of this. I know that the, the screen will light up front, but one of these, you know, well-to-do countries and it's supposed to be flying and everyone is going, going on well and all that. Education has progressed a hell of a lot here. I don't see the major problem uh, that it, that is happening at the moment. I think there can be huge issues from it. I can I take your point about strangers coming into a place and we don't know who they are and all that. But we have the very same thing, Fran, like in, in if you're living like in a, in any housing estate or in any neighbourhood around, you know, your next door neighbour puts up the house for sale. You have no idea, no control whatsoever mm. as to who comes in or who doesn't, but, as to who buys it or who Probably doesn't. what would be screamed at you there is that that's all fine and very well, but if there was a hundred coming in Nick. no I, I, I accept that you, you, I accept, you know. I accept yeah. that but yeah. I could be flippant and say depending on who gets the house there could be a hundred coming <laughs> but um, it, it is it is a question of it is a question I think of you know you go into any of these you know I've said it several times any of the hospitality industries you know let them be taxis let them be you know hotels let them be restaurants let them, and invariably you will have, uh, you know, a non-Irish person serving you. And where would, like, there's jobs, jobs being advertised morning, noon, night. And if, if these people weren't here, what's yeah, but the You see, that, that troubles me greatly, is that conflating of those who come over here, they apply properly for jobs and they work in our hospitality and they work in our, our hospitals and all of that. Is that not completely different to people who are arriving here on the plane seeking asylum? Do you, do you know what I mean? They, yeah, why, why do people speak about those in parallel as if they're related in some way? No, because they're, because they're, they're people from another country coming to us, coming to here. But, but they're coming, and, and I'm careful about my words, they're coming in a legitimate fashion that they're applying to work here. They're granted yes. that application. We yes. need them for those positions. Yes. Is that not different, Joe? No. It, it is. It is different, Fran. There's no doubt about it. Of course, it's different. But at the same time, I'm talking about travel and people traveling and yes, new people yeah. coming in. But if you look at the people that are some of the people that are coming in and the jobs that they're getting now, and they are getting jobs now. I was talking to a man last Saturday night in Douala, and he he has uh, two Ukrainian people working for him. He said that the best you could ever find. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, it works both ways depending on the job. Like, you know, and depending on the job that you're at and depending on what you're doing. But they're there and they're working and some people are working. Not yeah. them all, obviously, but some are. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and JJ, in terms of, uh, and I mean, with, um, with your Defence Forces background, there's not going to be um, a, a change in terms of wars ending very quickly where this is concerned, as if that these people can turn around and go back home. Because do they have homes to go to? I mean, you know, we know what's happening in a lot of Ukraine that places have been razed to the ground. So... We, can you see anything happening in the the near future where this is going? No, I don't see it improving in in the near future, Fran. And the war, there will always be wars. There's never yeah. been a time in the world history when there hasn't been a war somewhere. Um, I think right now the world is in a very, very dangerous place. I think we're probably on the on the footsteps of a third world war, believe it or not. Do you think so? Yeah. I've think always thought right. that the next world war would start <coughs> in the Middle East. Yeah. But I think the kernel of it now could be the Russia-Ukraine um, war. But uh, the world is not a safe place at the moment. We have probably two or three of... We're going back almost to the times of Hitler and Stalin when we had two very, very dangerous men on the planet. Now we've Putin and a few more on the planet um, who are want to go head-to-head 
and uh, it's a um, I don't feel well about where the world is at right now. And do you think and Gaza will be one of the big triggers? Gaza is an absolute tragedy. Gaza is a, has been well. Gaza has been going on for over a hundred years. It's an absolute tragedy, uh, an illegal situation, a situation that is not accepted internationally, but it's there and we're confronted with it. Uh, it was described the other day as as a, an absolute tragedy by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. It, it was described as carnage. That's the word he used. Yes. Is a shocking situation. Do you, by, do you see it as genocide, by the way? Yes, he has. He has said yes. that there but, are. But do you? Do I you do. See it I do. Yes, yeah, I do. Okay. I mean, the. Um, I mean, I know that the October invasion by Hamas was was, was on the dreadful on, atrocity. Was dreadful, yes. but I mean, I don't think that the the reprisals from Israel are are, are balanced are are, are proportionate are proportionate in yeah. any way. Uh, it's a shocking situation, but there's a lot of history there, and I don't see it being fixed anytime soon. All right, will you stay with me, guys? Uh, I need to take a break. We'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. JJ Killian is with us, Phil Prenegast and Joe Leahy. Uh, RTE dominated the news again this week after Minister Catherine Martin's appearance before the Oireachtas Media a committee and, of course, her appearance on RTE's primetime as well. Now, it led to Tipperary TD, uh, Matthew McGrath, stating that her position was now untenable and that she had made a complete mess of the situation. So, I suppose the simple question is, <coughs> is her position uh, tenable at this uh, time? JJ, do you want to take this, first of all? Yeah. Do, does that interest you, by, it does. you, by the way, everything oh, that's going on? Oh, in absolutely, RTE? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a national broad... It's, it's our state... It's our, it's our public service broadcasting, yeah. of course, is of interest to me, yeah. Um, in my experience... Uh, um, when there are problems in organisations, it always boils down sooner or later to communication or lack of communication. And that's the tale of RTE here. Um, the problem with RTE, this thing broke, as we all know, last June, I think it was, with the Ryan Tuberty story. And RTE then engaged in a, in, a, in a system of drip-feeding information when they were forced to, you know. And uh, there's been much criticism of, of, the, of the minister and how she handled this thing. I would maybe join in some of that criticism in the, in the thing that she was hands off for far too long and then she dived into it but having said that I think she was candid and uh, in her assessment and I think she she told it as it was her side of it and uh, and I know that the 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 chair of the board, Shuni Rahali, who's who's not a paid person, they they're doing our, our public service, but she had well, to stand. Well, she's on about thirty. 30 well, something it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a small stipend, but um, the the um, the minister I thought was candid, was truthful, and um, whether we like it or not, she was fed misinformation or lack of information from RTE, and I think at the end of the day, the minister, if the minister lacks confidence, then your day is done. You know, uh, I think this whole thing of going before public accounts committee, really, and I've sat before a public accounts committee myself when I was chair of ISME, and uh, to my mind, I mean, public accounts committees have no teeth whatsoever. They can't summon witnesses. They can't make any issue any sort of negative well, commentary. But at least it gets information out there. Uh, they do. It, a lot of a lot of public accounts committees uh, end up in grandstanding and you know and showboating by by by, by politicians. To mm. my mind. Um, they're, they're, so you think you know, the minister she should stay in the position as far as you're concerned? I, I think so. I thought she was candid. I thought she was truthful. She gave her side of the story. Um, okay, you could say, well, why didn't she and Shuni Rally have a conversation prior to the prime time program? 
But having said all that, I think she was candid. She's given the truth. Um, and you can't say the same of RTE. All right. Phil, what... what, what Absolutely, I agree with everything that JJ has said there in his yeah. contribution. I do, yeah, because um, I think that if you're not operating on the best information <clears> or the most facts, then it's very hard to make a decision or to be deemed to be uh, her position to be untenable. The whole point of what was going on with RT was, as JJ has said, there was a drip feed of information and non-information or no information or false information or not the truth all along in terms of the different pay scales they had in RTE and people about contract renewals and renegotiating fees and getting paid money for work that wasn't done and getting sort of, there was an awful lot of of secret deals that were going on. I don't think a public broadcasting service can ever operate on secret deals. We must know what the structure is. We must know what mm. people's roles are. And, and, and we do m- you take what Backer said about that, is that he was actually saving the organisation and therefore the taxpayer money because if these people went to court and if they sued RTE about, you know, getting rid of them or whatever, it would have cost an awful lot more money than the couple of hundred grand. Yep, the whole point is that now we have a situation at the moment where people don't know whether to pay their, their TV licence or whether they're going to be have some new payment scheme in, in force that uh, people are unsure what to do. They're between a, a rock and a hard place now because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. And there's no clarity around it either. Well, they'd say to you, and it's still the law of the land that you have to pay your TV. <clears throat> well, whether the law of the land applies or not, the law of the land should also be that they should have a little bit of clarity and a little bit of um, honesty in relation to what people are getting paid and what payoffs were given to people that were departing from jobs that they didn't seem to be a structure in place that you're automatically going to get oh sure if you're leaving Fran tip FM or oh god that's awful sure we'll give you 400,000 just to soften the blow for you there Mm. it seemed to be a real ad hoc kind of a a way to manage finances to manage uh, personalities within Mm. the system and to manage payoffs for people that didn't seem to have the buy-in from from any member of the public. But you take my point, in some cases was not managing people out of the organisation and to do so... But if somebody was going out of the organisation, Fran, why, if they were leaving the organisation, were they being paid such massive sums of money? Mm. To, no, to what end? Joe, Joe what, do you, what do you mean? Catherine Martin, first of all, because she's... No, a... I totally agree with JJ and, and, and Phil as well. She should, no, she, there's no way she should have resigned and she shouldn't resign. But you must bear in mind, we're nearer to an election than the last time we sat here, you know. So there's a bit of electioneering going on and a bit of, um, mm-hmm. um, what you call, publicity seeking and all that kind of stuff going on. She's, that woman was damned, as a, in her job, was damned if she did and she was damned if she didn't. If she came out the following morning and never said that she asked this lady to go or got the opportunity before she resigned or whatever, she'd be accused of doing nothing as well, sitting on her hands and all this. But, a lot but, of... Was the prime time decision not a mistake, though? I mean, surely it could have been dealt with. I mean, you know, if you had a company like you've had, Jenny, you wouldn't deal with it. Like you wouldn't go public no. with stuff before. But, but you the irony, Francois, the, the irony of the of the of the of the Dáil committees was the 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 TDs sitting there on, on that committee were were given out to the minister for telling the truth. 
that was that's the irony of it. You yeah. know, you're nodding there, Joe. Yeah. I am, yeah, and I think I honestly think uh, I, no, I agree. Yes, I, could it be handled different hindsight, Fran? Look, of course, it could be handled ten ways different in hindsight. But at the same time, she did the right. Uh, to me, she was right. I would back her. I think she was doing right. I don't think she would resign at all. But I honestly, I equally think at the, t- today, if Kevin Backhurst is doing his job right, remember now he's on five grand a, a week plus expenses. Just and you know, I'll say that again another couple of times, maybe. But like five grand a week is wow. is good pickings, and he should come out today and say what everybody in RT in RT is earning. It's the public body paid for by the public purse, and if it isn't paid for by the license fee, it's paid for by the government, which is our taxes back in at the end of the day into the pot one way or another. Mm. And they're the public broadcaster, and I think that they should come out and say, this is what they're at, that's what they're at, and we should put a stop to this golden handshake. He w- he was in the meeting with Shuni Rahalig and uh, with Catherine Martin, and if she'd... I mean, if if Shunarani didn't inform the minister, he would have known the background. I mean, should he not have said, hold on a moment, there's something else you need to know? I, mean, I suppose, though, you, you have to really have joined up thinking in that because if somebody is new to an organisation or they're, they're in a settling in period and you have a, a minister that is, again, that that's a kind of a friable situation in a way because you don't know, like, who's going to be the minister the next time is she getting time to bed in to get used to her roles and to, uh, to to do all that she has to do? And the whole the whole point of what he knew or what he didn't know, and where do you discuss that? Do you discuss it in a public forum? Do you discuss? Do you have the discussion in private? Do you start to say, "I'm I'm going to come." clean here, these are the salary scales, these are the payoffs that people are entitled to or people are getting whether they're entitled to them or not. But, right. but, but I would also say, sorry friend, I would also say if he doesn't know, why doesn't he know? He should know. What's he paid for? What's he put in there? Why was he headhunted to take the job? Why did he go in there? His first question should be, right. what is... Bum, La- bum, last bum, word on this, uh, JJ, just briefly, yeah. Uh, I think, as Joe says, uh, Kevin Backhorst has been brought in to clean up, you know, new broom, clean up. I think he will. I think I, I like the sound of him. I like the way he's, he gives direction. I think he will. Uh, right. I mean, it, it needed strong leadership. I think he'll get it. All right. I must leave it there. But thanks to Phil and JJ and thanks to Joe and uh, thanks to Ellie, who was producing today as well. Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel and I will talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. JJ Killian is with us, Phil Prenegast and Joe Leahy. Uh, RTE dominated the news again this week after Minister Catherine Martin's appearance, appearance before the Oireachtas uh, Media uh, committee and of course her appearance on RTE's prime time as well. Now it led to Tipperary TD uh, Matthew McGrath stating that her position was now untenable and that she had made a complete mess of the situation. So I suppose the simple question is, <coughs> is her position uh, tenable at this uh, time? JJ, do you want to take 
this, first of all. Yeah. Do, does that interest you, by, does. you, by the way, everything oh, that's going on? Oh, in absolutely, RTV? absolutely. Yeah. It's a national broadcast. It's, it's our state. It's our, it's our public service broadcasting. Yeah. Of course it's of interest to me, yeah. Um, in my experience, um, when there are problems in organisations, it always boils down sooner or later to communication or lack of communication. And that's the tale of RTE here. Um, the problem with RTE, this thing broke as we all know last June, I think it was, with the Ryan Tuberty story. And RTE then engaged in a, in, a, in a system of drip-feeding information when they were forced to, you know. And uh, there's been much criticism of, of, the, of the minister and how she handled this thing. I would maybe join in some of that criticism in, in I think that she was hands-off for far too long and then she dived into it. But having said that, I think she was candid and, uh, in her assessment. And I think she, she told it as it was, her side of it. And, uh, and I know that the... the the chair of the board, Shuni Rahali, who's who's not a paid person. They're, they're doing their public service, but she had. Well, to stand she's on about thirty. 30 well, something it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a small stipend, but um, the the um, the minister I thought was candid, was truthful, and um, whether we like it or not, she was fed misinformation or lack of information from RTE, and I think at the end of the day, the minister, if the minister lacks confidence, then then your day is done. You know, uh, I think this whole thing of going before public accounts committee, really, and I've sat before a public accounts committee myself when I was chair of ISME, and uh, to my mind, I mean, public accounts committees have no teeth whatsoever. They can't summon witnesses. They can't make any issue any sort of negative well, commentary. Well, at least it gets information out there. Uh, they do. It, a, lot of, a lot of public accounts committees uh, end up in grandstanding and, you know, and showboating by, 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 by politicians, to mm. my mind. Um, they're, they're, so you, you think know, the minister, she should stay in the position as far as you're concerned? I, I think so. I thought she was candid. I thought she was truthful. She gave her side of the story. Um, OK, you could say, well, why didn't she and Shuni Rally have a conversation prior to the primetime programme? But having said all that, I think she was candid. She's given the truth. Um, and you can't say the same of RTE. All right. Phil, what, what, what Absolutely, I agree with everything that JJ has said there in his yeah. contribution. I do, yeah, because um, I think that if you're not operating on the best information <clears> or the most facts, then it's very hard to make a decision or to be deemed to be uh, her position to be untenable. The whole point of what was going on with RTE was, as JJ has said, there was a drip feed of information and non-information or no information or false information or not the truth all along in terms of the different pay scales they had in RTE and people about contract renewals and renegotiating fees and getting paid money for work that wasn't done and getting sort of... There was an awful lot of, of secret deals that were going on. I don't think a public broadcasting service can ever operate on secret deals. We must know what the structure is. We must know what people's roles are. And, and, and we do you take what Backer said about that, is that he was actually saving the organisation and therefore the taxpayer money because if these people went to court and if they sued RTE about, you know, getting rid of them or whatever, it would have cost an awful lot more money than the couple of hundred grand. Yep, the whole point is that now we have a situation at the moment where people don't know whether to pay their, their TV licence or whether they're going to be have some new payment scheme in, in force that people are unsure what to do. They're between a rock and a hard place now because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. And there's no clarity around it either. Well, they'd say to you, and it's still the law of the 
land that you have to pay your TV. <coughs> well, whether the law of the land applies or not, the law of the land should also be that they should have a little bit of clarity and a little bit of um, honesty in relation to what people are getting paid and what payoffs were given to people that were departing from jobs that they didn't seem to be a structure in place that you're automatically going to get oh sure if you're leaving Fran Tip FM or Fran, oh god that's awful sure we'll give you 400,000 just to soften the blow for you there mm. it seemed to be a real ad hoc kind of a, a, a way to manage finances to manage uh, personalities within mm. the system and to manage payoffs for people that didn't seem to have the buy-in from from any member of the public. But you take my point, in some cases was it not managing people out of the organisation and to do so... But if somebody was going out of the organisation, Fran, why, if they were leaving the organisation, were they being paid such massive sums of money? Mm. To, no, to what end? Joe, Joe what, do you, what do you mean? Catherine Martin, first of all, because she's... No, a, I totally agree with JJ and, and, and Phyllis. Well, she should, I, she, there's no way she should have resigned. She shouldn't resign. But you must bear in mind, we're nearer to an election than the last time we sat here, you know. So there's a bit of electioneering going on and a bit of, um, mm-hmm. um, what's it called, publicity seeking and all that kind of stuff going on. She's, that woman was damned as a, in her job was damned if she did and she was damned if she didn't. If she came out the following morning and never said that she asked this lady to go or got the opportunity before she resigned or whatever, she'd be accused of doing nothing as well, sitting on her hands and all this. But, a lot but, of, but was the prime time decision not a mistake though? I mean, surely it could have been dealt with. I mean, you know, if you had a company like you've had, JD, you wouldn't deal with it. Like you wouldn't go public no. with stuff before. But, but you the irony, Francis, sorry, Kudrasja, the irony of the of the of the of the Dáil committees was the 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 TD sitting there on, on that committee were were given out to the minister for telling the truth. That was that's the irony of it. Yeah, you know? you're nodding there, John. Yeah. I am, yeah, and I think I honestly think I, I, no, I agree. Yes, uh, could it be handled different hindsight, friend? Look, of course, it could be handled ten ways different in hindsight. But at the same time, she did the right. Uh, to me, she was right. I would back her. I think she was doing right. I don't think she would resign at all. But I honestly, I equally think at the t- today, if Kevin Backhurst is doing his job right, remember now he's on five grand a, a week plus expenses. Just and you know, I'll say that again another couple of times, maybe. But like five grand a week is wow. is good pickings, and he should come out today and say what everybody in our in RT is earning. It's the public body paid for by the public purse, and if it isn't paid for by the license fee, it's paid for by the government, which is our taxes back in at the end of the day into the pot one way or another. Mm. And they're the public broadcaster, and I think that they should come out and say this is what they're at, that's what they're at, and we should put a stop to this golden handshake. He w- he was in the meeting with Shuni Rahalig and uh, with Catherine Martin, and if she. I mean, if if Shunarani didn't inform the minister, he would have known the background. I mean, should he not have said, hold on a moment, there's something else you need to know? I, mean, I suppose, though, you, you have to really have joined up thinking in that because if somebody is new to an organisation or they're, they're in a settling in period and you have a, a minister that is, again, that that's a kind of a friable situation in a way because you don't know, like, who's going to be the minister the next time is she getting time to bed in to get used to her roles and to, uh, to to do all that she has to do? And the whole the whole point of what he knew or what he didn't know, and where do you discuss that? Do you discuss it in a public forum? Do you discuss? Do you have the discussion in private? Do you start to say, "I'm I'm going to come 
clean here. These <clears> are the salary scales. These are the payoffs that people are entitled to or people are getting, whether they're entitled to them or not. But, right. but, but I would also say, sorry, friend, I would also say, if he doesn't know, why doesn't he know? He should know. What's he paid for? What's he put in there? Why was he headhunted to take the job? Why did he go in there? His first question should be, right. what is... Bum, La- bum, last bum, word on this, uh, JJ, just briefly, yeah. Uh, I think, as Joe says, uh, Kevin Backhorst has been brought in to clean up, you know, new broom, clean up. I think he will. I think I, I like the sound of him. I like the way he's, he gives direction. I think he will. Uh, oh. I mean, it, it needed strong leadership. I think he'll get it. All right. I must leave it there. But thanks to Phil and JJ and thanks to Joe and uh, thanks to Ellie, who was producing today as well. Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel and I will talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.